And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. I remember when horror, you know, we, we kind of came out of this, there was this, um, Splatterpunk wasn't a movement. It's not like, you know, we got together, you know, with a secret handshake and decided to, you know, launch some. It was a spontaneous occurrence in the culture at a given point in time. Um, but everybody that saw you guys was still trying to figure out the handshake because they wanted in. Because <laughs> they wanted into the club. Well, you know, and the funny thing is, I mean, you know, there was, and then it, there became the whole loud versus quiet debate. Um, and, you know, the old guard, you know, you the guys who were the Turks, who had worked so hard for so long, you know, and they're finally, like, at a point where it's like, and now it's our turn, and all of a sudden, you know, who are these pricks? <laughs> You know, who just like kind of kicked in the door, crashed the party, you're wearing black leather jackets and are making a lot of noise and all of a sudden the crowd's looking at them. And, you know, it's like, well, we couldn't help that. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like Spider-Punk was not like, and I went out and bought a black leather jacket so I could be one. I mean, it's just, that's just who the fuck we were. Do I look like a guy who's supposed to spend his life working in a cubicle? This is who we were, this is who we are. You know, even, you know, 25 years, 30 years later, still glad. You know, I'm natural born trouble with us. Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Lingley West. And I'm sick. <laughs> I've been sick for about a week, man. Yeah. But uh, uh, you are here, folks, for uh, episode 143, and we have a guest. Yes, we do. We've had a lot of cool we, guests we, we've lately. We've had a lot of cool guests. And this is up there. Yes, absolutely. Totally up there on the list. Um, this man is an author. He is a, uh, uh, I would say, lately I would, I would throw in the word activist. I would uh, also say he's a musician, and he, many would say, a lot of people are talking, <laughs> many would say that um, he's one of the cornerstones of what many would call the splatterpunk movement. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Spector. <laughs> Hi there, guys. Activist? How do I become an activist all of a sudden? I think you are. I think you're pretty You're pretty on front street with a lot of your your opinions about what's been happening in the country. And, and I don't want to go too far down that road because that's another show. Right. Um, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I, I really rather consider myself just an opinionated asshole. Yeah. Um, and that's why we love him. And that's uh, my definition of an activist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dude, I'm I'm so happy to to get you on. I uh, uh, your name has always been on the list of people we wanted to get on the show. We did a splatter punk um, splatter punk show uh, with Heather, yeah, uh, Heather Buckley, and um, I just felt like I had an here's an authority that that I have sort of in my in my extended you, sort of reach that right. I can um, uh, uh, bring in and really get some some nuts and boltsy stuff in that. Uh, Find out how wrong we were about <laughs> so many things. <laughs> <laughs> but I first met Craig on the set of Animals in just on the outskirts of uh, Salt Animals. Yeah, yeah. The, the ill-fated animals. <laughs> <laughs> but immediately, as soon as we, uh, we sat down at a coffee shop, and I immediately liked him. He he, he he's one of us. He talks from the hip. He's he's straight from the shoulder. He's, sure. 
I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the metaphors are gone. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, and then through the years, you've been very supportive, and and I love what you're doing on social media. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. You know, well, it's funny. Okay, the animals thing. I remember back then, you know, because I remember when you were on set that day, because that was press day, you know, and I remember just asking you at one point because you had seen some of the uh, some of the takes. You know, and and I just asked you what you thought, and I think I think the uh, what you had said is we're catching lightning in a bottle, um, <laughs> and that and that made me feel really good, and so you know I, I felt really good, and then of course you know the movie came out, and uh, I, like, I don't know what happened to the there must have been a leak in the bottle or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking. Yeah, I, I think it doesn't hurt. I, I think it doesn't help that they actually fired. They either fired or he quit or both. The, uh, they fired, quit uh, the director yeah. after the first cut. Yeah, you know, um, and then it was left to the producers and me to try to salvage uh, what was left of the film. Um, but of course, that was like also uh, what was it? That was about a, uh, two or three days before the Great Writers Guild strike, right? Right. Uh, of two thousand what two thousand nine um, kicked in. And so, you know, I couldn't, I saw the first, I saw the first cut of the movie um, over at Anonymous Content, and then all of a sudden, boom, writer strike, I can't talk to you guys for the next 100 days, (laughs) you know, um, and then when, when it was over, I came in, and I'm kind of like, where's the director, and it's like, oh, he's gone, (laughs) it's like, oh, God, that's never good, it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Where's the captain? Oh, he he took a dinghy and he's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he's off the ship. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, well, I remember um, it being very hot. I remember. I think I pissed. Piece, pissed. You pissed yourself. What? What? <laughs> Don't do coffee. Um, uh, Eva off. I I asked her a question about her mom, and 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 she got a little miffed in that. And I, I just remember the really cool stunt rig y'all were using on on a lot of the werewolf jumping. That was really exciting. Um, anyway. Yeah, and he had a. I mean, you know, to the director, to the erstwhile director's credit, um, you know, he had a uh, he had a vision. Um, I remember the first time I um, the first time I met with him. You know, I came back from the meeting and and I was asked. Uh, you know, so so what do you think? And I'm like, well, he's kind of a dick, but he's got a vision. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, don't direct. And he really did. He, don't he came up with. He came, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, I, I think being a dick actually works when you're a director. Yeah. But um, you know, he he came up under uh, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, and so he had a lot of that vibe. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, and I had seen some like the first cut that I saw. You know, I kind of saw where where he was going with it, and it was really like if you can imagine, uh, you know, if you can imagine uh, animals uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. He had this kind of rock socket, two smoking barrels yeah. kind of vibe going on, which I thought was huh interesting. You know, um, but then uh, we found out when he left that uh, he carried his vision. In his head, uh, you know, um, and because he, and because he was also, uh, you know, he came up as a cameraman. You know, he was uh, he was doing a lot of the shooting himself. He was actually yeah. manning the camera, um, and because his vision was so clear in his mind, apparently he didn't he didn't feel a particular need to do 
crazy things like coverage. Yeah. You know, so I don't. I know I don't need there wasn't that. Enough, yeah, I, I know I don't need that. Shot. So why shoot it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> there literally weren't enough shots. But you know, you, uh, it was just kind of like wow. But you would think about you know uh, him working with someone like Rodriguez who shoots so much film. I mean, he just sets a camera up and lets the video handle it. That he would have gotten that mm -hmm. coverage just by default. It's easier to leave the camera running than to. Well, know. it's different. I mean, it's different than than in the film days where. You know, yeah, there was money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, this was this was high def digital, but you know, I mean, it's um, you know, and and he also when he left, uh, his handpicked editor left with him, and so it really kind of it kind of gutted the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and it was just uh, about a. I worked on it for about I don't know fourteen or fifteen weeks mm. trying to salvage this thing in post, um, and you know. It, it came out and it was really rather unfortunate. <laughs> I want to I want to back up a little and and do you have a you were going to well say I was just I, I was just going to say it, it, that often happens where you have a really good um, in this case something based off a really good book mm -hmm. and through you know film industry fuckery that it it it. It, it gets messed up, and a lot of times it is stuff like you know, oh, so and so left, or mm -hmm. you know, and, and when you hear, um, ah, they've gone through three directors on this. You, generally, you know, okay, this is this problem. is trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah and I've, I've come to uh, my happy my happy cynic take on it is, you know, if you see a movie that is just really great and you love it, uh, it was against the best efforts. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Because, uh, just simply because, you know, filmmaking is such, you know, an incredibly complex, uh, you know, lot of moving parts. Usually, you know, a lot of cooks, uh, oftentimes one too many cooks. Um, and uh, there are so many ways for it to fuck up mm -hmm. that you, you really can't tell. You can't tell until it's actually, you know, uh, in the canon through post and, and you can see it. You know, and... Um, I mean, the producers, you know, I loved working with the producers on it. Uh, you know, really smart guys. Uh, they were uh, high, with school, them on. high school musical guys, right? They, they, they do high school. Well, they do a lot of things. They do yeah. a lot of different kinds of movies. Uh, they did the high school musical for Disney and made just like, a, I think, a billion dollars for right. Disney. <laughs> um, but they've done a, a lot of different uh, films, you know, some of which I, I liked more than others and, you know, some of which I loved. And they were... They, the ones I love tended to be the more sort of indie ones that they've done. But uh, I also worked with them for, uh, uh, back in the 90s, I worked with them for like 26 months uh, adapting F. Paul Wilson's The Tomb into Repairman Jack. Oh, wow. Uh, so I had worked with him like really quite a bit on that. Um, and so, you know, I liked them. I trusted them. You know, but at a certain point, you got to realize... You know, uh, the producer sees a movie entirely differently than a director sees it or a writer sees it. And uh, at the end of the proverbial day, the most important thing the producer wants to see are the words, the end. Because uh, then they can go for distribution. Um, so at a certain point, you know, they just, it, it, the imperative was, get it out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, kind of almost get it out in whatever shape it's in. Um, and, uh, you know, so there you go. Welcome right. to Hollywood. 
you know, and all I, all I can say at this point is I got I got paid, it got made, moving on. Right, <laughs> exactly. At some point, I remember Barker said to me once about how, you know, people with novels, they'll tend to, you know, I, I just need to go through it one more time, or I need to go through it one more time. And at some point, you just got to go, this is what it was, when it was, and moving on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good yeah, advice. Yeah, yeah. Where did you grow up? I mean, up? you do the best. You do the best you can. You do the best you can in the time you got to do it. Right, and you given know, all uh, the other shit that's I, going on in your life, you know what I mean. And that's uh, yeah. And that's the that's the other thing is that I I I don't think anybody should feel um, bad if they've you know they've worked on something and it came out it, it, not what they were expecting. I don't mm -hmm. want to say it came out bad or it came out less than you know, but not what they were expecting because. Like you just said, Craig, it, this was the best that you, as, as long as you know that, mm -hmm. I, I was trying my hardest, right. then this is the best that you Give, could do, and it's something to be proud of. Given these Lincoln logs, here's the cabinet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, oh, and also, my my position within the, the architecture of you know, the hierarchy, uh, you know, the writer's position of the hierarchy of the film, and, and you know, I co-wrote the novel, uh, but it's basically like... Um, you know, I'm the birth mother. You know, and, right. and the second you sign, the, the second you make a deal, you sign the baby over to be raised by strangers. Yeah, yeah. And you're lucky, and you're lucky if you even get visitation. Right. You know, um, right. I thought it, that's why so, I thought it was so amazing when I was on uh, on the set of Animals that you were there. I thought, wow, I, you, the writer's usually a pariah. Like, he's the last person they want on the, on yeah. the movie set, but you were in there and in the you know up to your elbows and. And that's awesome. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. I, I was, I worked on that project for, uh, well, I worked on that for about almost three years before cameras rolled um, hmm. in development. Uh, I was just, you know, and and at a certain point, I was determined to be the only writer on this project. Um, you know, I it's like I wanted to just see it through. You know, just see the whole thing through. And, of course, I can be fired at any given moment. Right. Um, so I remember at one point uh, I was meeting with Barry, one of the producers, um, and we were at his house, and we were looking at one of the uh, one of the cuts of it. And I was making this impassioned argument about, uh, about some element of the film that I felt should be, you know, we should do differently uh, in post. You know, um, you know, and I just, I, I said, no, no, hear me out. You know, and I started this long in passion, step by step, blow by blow, you know, explanation of what I thought we should do and how I thought we should do it, and blah blah blah. And he looked at me the whole time. He, he gave me his undivided attention, and he's like nodding, and he's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then I'm, you know, I'm finally done, and he's like, mm -hmm, well, respect. I, I appreciate your uh, your passion and your commitment. Uh, we decided to go the other way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, righty then. <laughs> Moving right along. I, I guess you know, we are. Like, That's hilarious. You know, what am I going to do? You know, I, I'm just the writer. <laughs> Where, I'm cur I, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in uh, Virginia and Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, oh, wow. I was We're born... Born and raised in Virginia until I was a uh, a young budding juvenile delinquent, and then we moved up to Pennsylvania, and it was there that uh, there that I met in fairly short order met John Skip. Okay, were you a, um, were you a monster uh, kid, quote unquote? 
A monster kid? Yeah, do you know what I mean by that? Like a kid that grew up devouring things like Godzilla and Famous monsters. Famous monsters. Oh, oh, yeah, I, I was, I, you know, I mean, from earliest childhood, like, creature, feature, you know, um, I was always, I was always tilted to the dark side of nice. things. I, I love yeah, um, I, I love asking people who was your horror host growing up. Did you oh, I don't even remember because I was so young. Yeah. You know, but I was watching I was watching Creature Feature in Richmond, Virginia when I was three years old. Wow. You know, um and I remember, you know, it's like I got you know, I was born in nineteen fifty eight, so you know, I I could watch uh the outer limits and Twilight Zone in first run on TV, yeah. in black and white on TV. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I remember... You know, and I was about... I remember faking... I was about three years old. scared the living shit out of me. Yeah. You know? um, I remember faking sick for a week when we bought... We bought a... We went made the jump from black and white TV to color. To color. Fake, yeah, it's just Ironically, when I... Most of the stuff that was airing in the afternoon, <laughs> black and white. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but it was color black and white. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. Uh, uh, and I love that old black and white. I love that old black and white. You can see it now. You, yeah. know, you can see these old episodes and it's like, wow, wow. And then, you know, really see the old episodes and just go, wow, it's so cheap. It was so much larger in my mind when I watched it the first time. But the first time I watched it, I was three years old. You know, um you know, and that later in life, I was I was fortunate to uh, you know to meet Richard Matheson, mm. you know, who wrote so, you know uh, oh, wrote so many of those, yeah. And, yeah. and it was just like wow, you know, um, just just taking in all the history of it, you know. But yeah, I was I was a sick pup from birth, pretty much. <laughs> you know, I you know something that I I love to do is I love to go back and watch what was it Playhouse ninety nine? Oh yeah, it? Playhouse ninety nine. Because it's black and white, but it was like live tape, mm-hmm. so it looks like it looks like a soap opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, yeah, it's black and white. It, it makes it really yeah. surreal. It's and how weird. that um, Requiem for a Heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah like, exactly. It's not, they're not quite kinescopes, but they're but they're pretty close. Yeah. When did the music kick in? Uh, the music kicked in when I was about. Uh, well, uh, seriously, kicked in when I was about fourteen. Okay. So right about the time um, the drugs kicked in. Yeah. <laughs> right about what? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Came in hand in hand with the drugs. Sure. Came and hand, the, hand and, the, 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 and actually, my first guitar, my first guitar came came hand in hand with the drugs because you know I like I said I was in Virginia Beach I was a young budding juvenile delinquent and then you know one night I was kind of hanging out outside of this bar this it's a parlor bar that had foosball tables I was really big into oh yeah foosball yeah. at that point. Um, like hardcore in the foosball, and um, I was, and just, kid, I was gonna go pro. Yeah, yeah. I, I played in I played in the playoffs uh, in Virginia Beach. You know, um, I was serious about it. Look at that. Um, but this uh, one night, you know, we're just hanging out, and I kept getting kicked out because I was underage. You know, and I had to sneak in to play foosball, and then they'd see me, and I'd get kicked out. You know, we'd just be hanging out in the parking lot, and one of the kids uh, that I knew loosely, you know, he was slightly older. He was maybe about I was. 14, and he was maybe 16, 17, you know, he came wandering up, and he had this acoustic guitar, and he and he was just asking, anybody want to buy this guitar, you know, um, and as it turned out, I mean, he was selling the guitar because, you know, he got addicted to heroin, sure. um, and I actually, you know, I, I 
said, yeah, I do. You know, and I, I picked up the guitar and I played it for a couple minutes. I'm like, come with me. You know, and I walked him back to, you know, to my house, you know, and walked in the door and my mom and dad are sitting there watching TV. It's like a Friday night, you know, and I'm like, I need this guitar. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and... You know, so I'm like bringing this, you know, neighborhood kid who's obviously strung out, you know, um, into the living room. It's like I need this guitar, you know, um, and they bought it for like I think twenty bucks or something. Nice. Um, and that's that started me. Do you remember? Playing. What it, but then again, do you remember what it no, was? Go ahead. Do you remember what it was? What the guitar? Oh uh, no, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, I have a picture of me playing it, but it, it was nice. some off-brand. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like your first lever. acoustic guitar. Yeah. 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 You you work yeah. on all the but then again, my first two, <laughs> my first two albums, my first two LPs, you know, I I had gotten around the same time, and the, my first two albums were Black Sabbath one and uh, Jethro Tull Aquilon. There you go. Yeah, Martin yeah, Murray. Um, and yeah, and, and just and also you know just I I listened to you know sort of the the Ian Anderson acoustic guitar work on that, and I and and it just spoke to me. It's like sure. I have to play like that. Do you remember your you first know, um, Do you remember your first record, Warren? My my first record? Yeah. Have we talked about this? I'm sure we have. Yeah. I'm sure we have. It was I bought two albums at the same time. Nice. So and uh, and and rock monoliths they were. Okay. Um, Styx Equinox. Sure. And yeah, yeah. And the soundtrack to the uh, uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Ooh. Band movie Ooh. with Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees oh, wow. and Ooh. Steve Martin. Uh, we were really dirt poor. My first record, uh, 10 years after Space and Time, because Alvin Lee was a god. Right. And uh, my first 45 was Free to Pain, Band of Gold. Because <laughs> <laughs> since you've been gone, all I got is this Band of Gold. Um, that's awesome. Do you find yeah. that, that the... The same place that the music stuff comes from, a lot of the fiction comes from. You know what I mean by that? Uh, yeah, it all comes. It all comes from the same source for me because it's all. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's all storytelling. Mm. You know, um, the medium changes, but but uh, you're you're still telling a story. You know, um, and you know, I went to uh, well, I was self-taught on guitar. You know, um, and then, you know, when I moved up to Pennsylvania and, and met Skip, you know, then uh, he knew a little bit more about playing guitar than I did, you know, uh, but I had a guitar. <laughs> and he did. You know, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of we gotta trade it off for a while, and then eventually he got a guitar, and eventually we, uh, you know, uh, after a while, um, we got involved with the band in high school. We had a band mm -hmm. that, you know, largely kept me out of trouble. Um, but um, to this day, uh, people in York, Pennsylvania still refer to this band because we were, uh, we were this all original progressive rock lunatics, nice. um, you know, sort of like uh, musical theater, rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, we were called the Philadelphia Children's Orchestra. <laughs> um, oh my God. <laughs> That's the funniest thing ever. Um, so your collaboration started with Skip started in music. Uh, it started in music, but actually our, our collaboration kind of first started. Uh, you know, I used to go over to his apartment because his apartment was cool. You know, um, and 
you know, we'd go, we, you know, we'd be hanging out or going someplace, and then we we'd come back to his apartment, and we'd like, you know, get really stoned and read creepy and eerie magazines. Yes. Yeah. You know. Um, Sounds like. Yeah. 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 So. Isn't it weird how we like we've all you he grew up Greg grew up on the on the uh, East Coast. You're sort of middle Midwest. Midwest. Yeah. I'm completely California, and there's that commonality. We, uh, yeah, well, that was the great thing with, with Warren Publications, was that you thought that you were this fucking weirdo misfit mm-hmm. uh, it, within your own little you know world, and then you found out that, like, holy shit, there's, there's, there's an army of us out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just got to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Internet. Tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, at what point did you guys decide to start writing... I mean, or had you always been a guy that dabbled in fiction? Not really, no. I, I had, uh, you know, me personally, I had absolutely no thoughts or plans whatsoever of being a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John was, was a budding writer at that point. Um, we were both musicians. We played in, in this band with, uh, with uh, these other, you know, happy teenage lunatics. Um, and, and we did some, like, really, uh, really kind of uh, brilliant music for our age and for the time, you know. I mean, it was really just very creative and very strange uh, and very theatrical. Um, and then I went on to, uh, well, first I was, uh, I was an artist before I was a musician, before I was a writer. So when I graduated from high school, I'm like, well, you know, what are you going to do with your life? And the first thing I did is like, well, you know, I was an artist first, so I'll go to art school. Uh, and I went to the Atlanta College of Art for a year, you know, and uh, that pretty much taught me that I didn't want to be an artist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and, and so from there, it's like, well, now what? And then, you know, I was kind of uh, banging around and working a lot of different blue-collar jobs and stuff. And then finally, I just decided... Uh, I I'm, I got to do something, and I, I applied to the Berkeley College of Music. There you go. Oh, cool. And and I got in. I got in on the on the strength of a a six song demo that I had written, recorded, co-produced, um, and but that's basically it. I mean, I had no musical training, yeah. um, but I had a lot of a lot of, a lot of cojones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got on a you know a a, a self-produced demo and sheer force of will um they actually called me i was getting so so i was so impatient that i had submitted my application and it was getting toward the end of the summer you know and i hadn't heard from them and i was living with a girl at that point and you know i was like well you know what we we just have to go up there and so i was like you know literally loading the car we're gonna go from pennsylvania to boston and go what's going on you know, and as we're loading up the car for the trip, suddenly the phone rings. You know, and I go in, and it was um, it was the admissions office at the Berkeley College of Music. You know, and I'm like, great, I I was I was just about to come up. You know, and they're like, well, the thing is, they're like, the the thing is, I, I'm like, am I in? And they're like, well, the thing is, you know, the Berkeley program is very rigorous, and and from your records, we see that you don't have any any uh, formal training. And uh, it's really difficult, even for students who have had formal training. So, and I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. And like, so we generally, uh, people in your position, we generally recommend maybe you uh, go to a local community college for a couple of semesters and just get the basics. 
Um, and, uh, you know, because it is a very demanding program. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, am I accepted? <laughs> you know, you have to know, am I accepted? You know? Wow, and, yeah. and finally, a you know, very nice woman on the phone, and she's like, um, yes, you've been accepted. I'm like, great, I'll see you in eight hours. <laughs> Sweet. And that's, Berkeley's like nuts and bolts stuff. That's like interval tra training, you know what I mean? Where they play like two notes and you have to bite your... Try to, all that it's a really stuff. interesting. Well, Berkeley is interesting because Berkeley, you know, takes a uh, a different approach to music because they don't go from um, classical training; mm. they go from jazz theory, oh. or at least they did at the time back in like 1979. And so it was different. I mean, you know, you get up to Boston and like there's Berkeley, and then there's the Boston Academy of Music, and then the New England Academy of Music, like all within spitting distance of each other, and. Um, Berkeley was different because we went with, the, you know, the whole program was based on jazz theory, and jazz then applies to blues, applies to rock and roll, sure. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but it really was. It was like musical boot camp. Yeah. Um, and I did the, uh, I, I just threw myself into it, and I did the, uh, I did the four-year program in three years. Wow. Uh, yeah, because I was just, I just totally immersed myself in it, and. I went like I think what four semesters back to back in a row, and then I took a semester off and monitored classes because uh, my brain was fried and I, I couldn't handle any more exams or anything. But I didn't want to unplug from it, so you know I just I, I took a semester off and still went to school every day, uh -huh. you know, and, and would just like go into the classes I wanted to go into and, and just kind of you know I didn't have any pressure of of you know delivering or taking tests or anything. And then I went back and did. The remaining semesters back to back, you know, yeah. and so that's how you can do uh, a four-year program in three years. Yeah. I just had one of those weird moments where something you had forgotten from your past sure. um, pops up because of something that somebody says. <clears throat> I was uh, I had totally forgotten about this. I I was uh, I was a saxophone player in school. Were you really? Yeah, and uh, saxophone players get one of my pussy. teachers like was like all excited about what I was doing and uh, had gotten me into the Interlochen Center for the Arts hmm. and m my parents were like uh no <laughs> and, it <made> me, <laughs> and it made me think about like like you were talking about and this is often what, what folks say is like you know I I was a juvenile delinquent I was goofing off I was doing this and like where the fuck did we go wrong Tom like we like we tried all that right didn't we like What's try the weed white man <laughs> 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 that's funny yeah well you know it, it ended up uh, it, it ended up uh, fueling my writing in several interesting ways because um, you know even though I was studying music you know, I was learning how to, uh, you know, and, and you talk about the overlap of different things. It's like, you know, for, for example, learning how to write for drummers. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and, and I was putting together a chart at one point for a class, you know, and I have to write, I have to write the chart for everybody, you know, um, and it's like, you got to write the chart for the drums. Oh, shit. You know, and I, one of the, one of the students was a friend of mine. He was a drummer. And I'm like, I, how do I write for drums? And, you know, he literally just, uh, he, we went off into a corner and sat down on the floor and he just explained 
mm. you know, um, okay, this is this is this beat, this is this beat, you know, it looks yeah. like this, looks like this. And he was playing, and he, and he basically, for about an hour, and he kind of taught me the basics of how to think like a drummer and write for drums. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it also taught me a lot about, you know, uh, the groove and syncopation. Sure. You know, and all those kind of things that, that the drums apply to it. And then I found when I started writing, it's like I I was very much writing to a beat. Mm, you know, the, oh. there was always kind of like a soundtrack in my head to whatever the chapter was I was writing. Um, yeah. And and so I was taking everything I knew about music and just applying it to you know do it with words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then. What ended up happening is that, you know, I, I still thought I'm going to be a professional musician when I graduate. You know? um, and the my last semester at Berkeley, I was, uh, I was on my way to, uh, with a, another girlfriend at the time, uh, to a, uh, a feel-good double feature of The Deer Hunter and Taxi Driver uh, <laughs> at, the, at the Harvard Square Theater. Um, and we were riding the T, you know, the subway as it crossed over the Charles Street Bridge from Boston, you know, heading to Cambridge. And we were in the last car standing up, you know, strap hanging. And I was looking out the back window of the of the subway car as it cro- came out of the tunnel, you know. And I turned kind of apropos of nothing to my girlfriend and said, what if there was a vampire in the subways? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a great you know, and and then you know she's like, uh huh, you know, and I was immediately transposing into New York City, you know, um, and I'm like, no, think about it. If, if he's uh, if he's a native born New Yorker, uh, he's he's perpetually buried in his native soil in the subway, so he doesn't need a coffin. Mm. You know, he can just run off, run off in the dark and throw some dirt on himself, and he's good to go. Um, and you know, she's like, uh huh. And I'm like, and if he, it's always night. It's always night in the subway, so he can kill 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So people won't immediately realize it's a vampire doing it. You know, they'll just think it's a psycho. You know, uh, and she's like, uh huh. And I'm like, and if he's really vicious about it, and he doesn't just leave two neat little holes in people's necks, but just kind of tears them apart, they'll really think psycho. Yeah. You know, and right. and the final thing was, I was like, and 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 if he looks like a punk. If he's a punk, he already looks like he's dead, and no one will notice the transformation. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because this was like 1982. You know, right, um, right. this is before. Yeah, you know, and her basic. Go ahead. And, and her basic reaction was like, uh huh. <laughs> you know, and then it's like, okay, well, like you know, and then we we go in and we're doing, you know, we we go to the movies and we have the, you know, what you know, four and a half, five hour long immersion of feel good, uh, film fest of the Deer Hunter and Taxi Driver. You know, so just kind of like sort of dripping with pathos and vibe, and uh, have to take the long key ride back from Harvard Square to our apartment. You know, and I got back to the apartment and I called. Uh, you know, I'm like, this, the story was, the idea was still in my head of you know, a punk vampire in the subways in New York. And so, what am I going to do with that? At the time, my high school friend John Skip was in New York, had finally moved to New York from Pennsylvania, and he was trying to make it as a writer, and he'd actually sold, written and sold two stories to tw- then uh, Twilight Zone magazine. Hmm. And so I'm like, 
I called him up and I'm like, I got a great idea for a story. <laughs> you know, um, why don't we write it? And, you know, you, you've sold the Twilight Zone magazine. Why don't we write this story and we can sell the Twilight Zone magazine, make a couple hundred bucks, it'll be great. You know, um, and John's first reaction was, I'm busy. <laughs> you know, um, like, I, I've, got, I've got shit of my own. Uh, I'm busy. You know, um, and so I proceeded to, you know, finish out the semester and, uh, you know, get my degree, graduate. But every time I talked to John or was, you know, down in New York visiting or something, I would keep bugging him about it. Like, what about that story? What about that story? What about that story? And I think we finally reached the point where, you know, one night I'm like, what about the story? And he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm officially sick of you. Um, <laughs> we're going to write this story tonight. Nice. You know, and so we borrowed uh, an apartment uh, from a friend uh, down in the Bowery, which actually became was the apartment that we was kind of the the set of uh, the second novel, uh, the cleanup, the mm -hmm. Billy Rose apartment, um, and it was this little uh, sort of railroad apartment in the Bowery, and uh, we went in with a bunch of file cards and, and sharpies, you know, um, and stayed up all night long just you know jamming out story beats and putting them on, throwing them on the floor, you know, um, and and by the time the sun came up, we you know, basically the whole living room was covered in these things. <coughs> and we realized a couple of important things. One, um, really a market for short vampire fiction at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but there was a market for vampire novels. Because sure, sure, Interview sure. with a Vampire had come yeah, out. Yeah, it was hot and, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Salem's Lot had come out. And so there was, you know, suddenly an appetite and, and an opening for vampire novels, you know, and that kind of started us on that. And then I, uh, you know, went back to Boston and promptly graduated and moved down to New York City and became, <laughs> and got a, a, a job at the same, uh, got a, uh, I got the gig at the same place that John was doing at a messenger service. Mm. Um, and I became a roller skating street messenger. <laughs> and... You know, and around that time, John had been playing a rock band, but he he was kind of like, you know, he uh, he had to kind of decide he's either going to write or he's going to be in this band, you know, um, because of just time and everything. And so basically, he was going to leave the band, and so I took his place in the band, you know. Okay. Um, and so we, uh, you know, we wrote, you know, messengers by day, and then cranking out this novel, and uh, and then that also came into play because of uh, that was also how I, uh, that did a couple of things because, uh, you know, the experience of uh, working as a messenger, we realized, you know, who are, who's crazy enough to figure out that the subway psycho is actually a vampire? Sure. Um, and it turned out, uh, well, messengers. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because, They're the perfect you know, because from experience. Yeah, because from uh, from experience, you know, you meet two kinds of people working as a street messenger. You meet young, young, ambitious, creative, you know, people who are sort of going up in the world, and then people who are going down. It's like those elevators that are crossing, mm -hmm. cro or escalators that are crossing each other. You know, and messenger is right where they they meet. You know. Yeah. And yeah. so they became You know, messengers became the perfect people to figure it out, and then coordinate and hunt a vampire in the subways. Right. Yeah, who knows the city better? Uh, yeah. 
you know. Who, who knows the city better? Plus, as a narrative, get around better. Yeah, and as a narrative foil, no, and they have a, it's they're they're quick to not be believed. You know what I mean? So true. therefore, yeah. it makes it even yeah. harder for them to overcome. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And they're also kind of messengers are kind of invisible. They yeah. go, they go everywhere and anywhere. Yeah, and nobody really pays attention to them. Yeah. You know, um, and so they and and they're coordinated from a central dispatch office, you know, and they can, you know, it was a perfect little ragtag army to, you know, hunt down a vampire in the subways, and so that helped within the context of the book, um, and then it also helped because that's the way we sold the book. Uh, mm. Basically, you know, I, I came skating into the office one day, you know, and. Uh, the dispatch office at the end of the day, and, and John was there, and, and you know a couple other people we were friends with were there, and um, John had a copy of what was it, uh, uh, FNSF or something, one of the uh, you know science fiction fantasy uh, trades, yeah. and there was a little article in there that uh, about how uh, T. E. D. Klein, Ted Klein, had just sold the paperback rights to his novel, the, uh, the Ceremonies for some um, very respectable amount in $1984 of like $100,000 or something um, uh, to Lunaronica at Bantam Books. You know, and so we were look, kind of looking at it and it's like, huh, Ted Klein was also the editor of Twilight Zone magazine. You know, and you know, I looked at it and I'm like, huh, Ted Klein, uh, Ted Klein likes you, Lunaronica likes Ted, maybe we will like us. You know, um, and so we targeted, you know, a specific editor. We'd sent it out and gotten rejections, like about a half dozen different rejections um, for the book at that time. And we didn't quite know where to go with it next. We didn't have an agent, um, you know, but we just kind of figured it, it's like, what the hell, take the shot. Right. Uh, but that article provided all the necessary requisite information. It's like we knew what, who the editor was, what the publishing company was, um, and, you know, we knew the building, you know, it was the, uh, the old 666 Fifth Avenue. Um, <laughs> and we found out what floor he was on. And then um, we did two, uh, two things. We uh, first, we sat down and we took the, you know, 550 some odd page manuscript and boiled it down to like the one and a half, one and a half page literary equivalent of a movie trailer. Okay. Sure, sure. You know, just they're like boom, 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 and you're out. You know, um, and the, the next thing we did is uh, we knew from experience that uh, you know it was the job of a uh, of a receptionist at a major publishing house to turn away people like us. Right. You know, unknown, unrepresented writers bearing five-pound manuscripts, you know, coming in the door. It was her job to turn them away. And if you looked in the uh, the writer's guide at that time for Bantam Books, it was right there in the submission guidelines. It said, no unsolicited manuscripts from unrepresented authors ever, period. You know, like, don't even think about it. You know, so we knew that was one of the jobs of a receptionist was to turn us away. Uh I also knew from experience that one of the other jobs of a receptionist at a major publishing house was to accept anything a messenger gave her. Ah. So. I love this. I love this already. So we stripped it down. We stripped it down. So, like, you know, instead of five pounds of heart and soul, blah, 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 
you know, um, it was like this one and a half page, you know, uh, punchy little literary equivalent of a movie trailer. And then we had a cover letter from Ted Klein on Twilight Zone Stationery. You know, this said, I commend to your attention the works of uh, one John Skip, a young writer of enormous balance, blah, blah, blah. You know, and so that was the package, and it fit just nicely in a nice, you know, manila envelope. And we also knew from experience that, you know, what's the first thing, you know, every morning, you know, in a, in a big, fancy New York publishing house, you know, the, uh, the mail cart trundles down the hallway, and they dump the load of each editor's office you know, of the latest, the morning's mail. And what's the thing that they're usually going to go through first? It's like the light shit. Yeah. yeah you know, I, um, the, I mean, they're going to look at, they're going to sort of like the things that, you know, they're expecting, the things they're not expecting, et cetera. But they're also going to look at this, the stuff that they can get out of their face quickly. You know, so here's this nice, like, slender package. And then, um, you know, at that point, uh, you know, it's almost the flip to when we were first starting on music. It's like, John, you know, John had a typewriter. I didn't. <laughs> you know, uh, not, not one of us had com- computers, you know. Uh, so, you know, he he took the morning off and, and he typed it all up and did it up. <clears throat> and then he met me in Manhattan, in Midtown, you know, um, and I come skating up and it was like something out of a you know, cheesy spy movie, you know, and he hands me the package, you know, and I just take it and I throw it in my messenger bag and I write it up on my manifest and I go skating over to Bantam. You know, and I I went in and went up to whatever the twenty sixth floor, and I skated in. You know, and I come up to the desk and and the receptionist looks at me. I'm like, uh, I have tags for Lou Lanto. He's uh, sign here. You know, and she's like, she's looking at me. You know, uh, and she's like, I don't know anything about this. And I'm like, I don't know anything about it. You know, can yeah. I use your phone? <laughs> you know, and. Um, you know, and she's like, no, and it's like, so she signs, and I turn around and skate away. You know, um, and then, and then that was it. You know, uh, you know, the shot was taken, and then you get into one of these moments, and I, I really do believe there are these moments. You know, people talk about making your own luck and etc. You know, there are kind of like if you do the work, and if you just you know keep taking the shot, there there do come these kind of serendipitous moments where everything sort of lines up for a minute. Sure. You know, um, and and I found this out later, but as it happened, you know, I got in the elevator and left. Five minutes after I left, Lou Veronica comes out and is, you know, heading out to lunch. He's got a meeting with somebody, you know, um, and so he's standing there waiting for the elevator to come up, and the receptionist, you know, also, because it was so strange. I mean, this weird little roller skating messenger delivered, had this package for him, you know, um, she didn't quite know what to do with it, so she thought she fucked up. And so she kind of put it over on the side, you know, because uh, she should know if something's coming for Lou. You know, well, she sure. should absolutely know. Uh, but, but she didn't know, and she's like, I don't know. So she just put it over on the side, you know. Um, and so he's waiting for the elevator, and she looks up, and she's like, oh, uh, Mr. Veronica, a uh, package came for you by messenger, and you're expecting this? You know, at that moment, he thinks he fucked up. <laughs> because of course, if a messenger brought it, he should know what it is. He has no idea, so he's just he's like, I guess so, and he grabs it, and the elevator doors open, and he goes down. You know, and um, uh, he opened it. In, he said he opened it in the elevator on the way down, and he pulled it out. You know, oh, Ted Klein, Twilight Zone. Oh, and he started reading the little the little thing, the little trailer thing that we wrote. 
And he said he was reading it. He's like, wow, wow, wow. You know, um, and he's reading it. And at this point, our work our, almost worked too well because he kept reading it as he's walking down the sidewalk and he stepped into the street and almost got pasted by a cab, you know, because he's just kind of, yeah, you know. Um, but he gets to lunch, and then, boom, his lunch cancels. And so because his lunch canceled, because he was supposed to be having lunch with somebody, he didn't bring anything to read. Um, so he had his lunch, and all he really had to look at was this thing. <laughs> Nice. You know, um, and so he looked at it again, and, you know, and then he went, you know, finished lunch, went back up to his office, and he just sat down at his desk, and he typed up, uh, you know, yeah, please uh, send me sample chapters, and threw it in the outbox, you know, um, and we got a response the next day. That's nice. awesome. Nice. That is nice. awesome. Which is just kind of like, wow, you know, so. Yeah. And that and that book, of course, went on to become Light at the End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. that was the Light at the End. It's yeah. the it's the template. You know, for um, everything you think about now with about vampires is yeah, the template yeah, yeah. is is the Light <laughs> yeah. at the End. You know. And yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really strange. You know. And so Light at the End, uh, the as I said before, the, as I said, the 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 template for all vampire films, um, specifically Spike from Buffy. That was such, yeah. when I remember seeing that, and I thought, "Oh, I like, hope oh, those guys, guys are right, going to get yeah, a, slip, yeah, yeah. a little, little something, something from this." Right? Did you ever? Oh no, he no no he he actually he he admits it. He admits it. He loved the light at the end. He loved the uh, light at the end. He stole the character of Rudy uh, and turned him into Spike and put him in Buffy. You know, because that's how much he loved the light at the end. As a matter of fact, there's a big book on Buffy that came out way back when, you know, um, and and in the middle of this big book full of pictures and everything, there's actually a picture of John Skip and me. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you know, and it's like, wow, that's some balls out. You know, um, and it's like, wow, I'm really glad we inspired you so much. How about you could send us a check? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, hey. My landlord's yeah, going to love I, that. I think you the like funny thing book. about it. <laughs> The funny thing about it is, is like when the, when the light at the end came out, uh, one of the things that was so shocking about it is, you know, it was a vampire in a black leather jacket. You know, um, in 1985, 86, you know, the idea of a vampire in a black leather jacket, you know, was sort of punked out and everything was was shocking. And you know, in 2017, the idea of a vampire not in a black leather jacket is right. shocking. Isn't it weird? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. never thought about yeah, it kind of that that's way. That's true. Could you imagine somebody trying to sell a vampire project now where you're in a cape and <laughs> it, 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 people would yeah. like, no. You even, yeah. I think the, the whole sort of drag of it all uh, influenced the, the additional books that, that the uh, Anne Rice stuff. Because as time went on, Lestat became more and more. Became rock and more roll. and more rock and roll. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, but a check would have been nice. When, when, yeah. when David, when David Scow kind of came up with the term splatterpunk, um, I, I because I know often when when people are part of something that you know when they when when people look back and they go, oh, this was a movement or this was you know this was a thing, uh, oftentimes. The people kind of reject the labels that are given to them. Mm -hmm. Grunge is a really good example of that. Grunge rock. Uh, 
did you guys kind of go, yeah, or do you, or, or were you like, dude, we're just making stories and we don't care what you're calling it? No, it's actually, you know, the thing about it is, is that once, once you know, light came out, you know, um, and then, uh, you know, we started, certainly I started going to conventions. I'd never been to a convention before. Um, and we started meeting people, you know, uh, we met, we met, David Scow, met Richard Christian Madsen, met Clyde Barker, met, you know, all these different writers, um, and, you know, loved their work, uh, and then met them, and, and we were all becoming friends, you know, um, and it was really kind of a, it was a cool time back then, because everybody was kind of like, you know, we all liked each other, and we all liked and admired each other's work, and we were sitting, I forget what the, um, exactly what the convention was, we were all at some convention, you know, uh, early on with this, and we were sitting around having drinks like you do, and the conversation turned to, it's inevitable that somebody's going to come up with a label for this, Sure. you know, and what we're doing, it's just, it's going to happen. You know, um, and at that point, uh, cyberpunk was really big. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so we we started playing with different variations of you know blank slash punk, you know, um, and just you know throwing them out and and you know just you know just a bunch of guys sitting around talking and, and just like trying to one up each other, you know. Um, I can hear it now with something. bloody punk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it was just all these different things, all these different things, you know, and, and we, we were just kind of, you know, everybody sort of, you know, giggle a little bit, you know, and then it was kind of like, and then it got kind of quiet, and, all, and then all of a sudden Dave just went, Spirepunk, and we all looked at each other and was like, yes, that's it, that's it. Well, see... And that's and, awesome. And we all kind of, co- and we all kind of close to that. But you know, we were we were guests at the convention, you know, and so we're on panels and everything. And so for the rest of that, for the rest of that con, you know, whenever we're at a panel, we're just like, yes, and we are splatter pumps, and the thing <laughs> took off like a rocket. Yeah, I bet. You know, because it's got a hook. Yeah, it's got yeah. a hook. You know, it's easy to get press off of it. It was, and it was great fun. It was like you know. Uh, I think Scout had also uh, mentioned, he had said in one interview, it's like, we're, we're like the Satanic Mouseketeers. You know, um, <laughs> it, was, it was really fun. You know, um, it's funny, though, I got back to New York uh, after, you know, uh, shortly after, the, you know, the whole splattered punk thing had, had boomed, you know, and I was meeting with, uh, with Will Rocka, you know, off of one of our books. You know, and, you know, we had just gotten a, another article in another magazine or something, and I asked him, like, you know, hey, what do you think? And he, and he was just kind of like, yeah, you know, I really wish you guys had have done that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, well. And I was kind of like, why? Why? You know, and he's like, well, you know, I really didn't want, you know, you know it's like you're, you're going to get kind of typecast, you know? You're going to yeah. get put in a slotted. You're going to get slotted is that, you know, and... And at the moment, at that time, I didn't really get what he was talking about. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I started really getting I think it was the first time I read something where somebody uh, said, some critic or, you know, uh, uh, had said something about something I'd written and said, well, this isn't really Splinter Punk. You know, and <laughs> at that time, I was kind of like, oh, kind of like hey, hey, pal, listen, if I'm a Splinter Punk and I wrote it, it is... De facto, Splatterpunk. Exactly. <laughs> it just reminds but, me. 
I was at a goth club once, and some kid comes walking up to me, and he and he taps me on the shoulder in the middle of a conversation. And yeah. He taps me on the shoulder. And he goes, "I had already been through mortuary college at this point." He goes, right. "Let me tell you about death." And I'm like, "Ooh, <laughs> go on! <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear this." <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it is. And but the thing about it is, is like you know, it went from being something that was really fun to something that by degrees started becoming not quite so much fun. It's weird. Um, it, it ends up being a box that that you have to put yourself exactly. in right. be, to define yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the end, that box becomes... I ran well, into a... I had a writer friend at a convention. I don't mean to... Refer, no, no, go ahead. But, but he was saying that he was experiencing trouble because he had wrote mostly horror and now he was writing more sci-fi alien invasion stuff. Right, right. And he was afraid that his audience wouldn't follow him. Well, and that's... I mean, but there's know? mechanisms for that. And, sure. And it, uh, what comes to mind is the pseudonym. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. Stephen King wanted to write different things, so he, you know, so Richard Bachman is born. Um, but I also think that any more these days, uh, I think, and, and 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 this was not true at the time. You can reinvent yourself time and time sure, and time sure. again. Well, I had said to him, I go. The problem is that you're foc- you're making the focus your books, and you should be making the focus of it your brand. You. Right, you. Right, and and I and I think um, that's a lot of mis- that's a mistake a lot of people make. Yeah. Where I, I well, think I think back back at that time, you know, and this was like the mid to late eighties. Um, like one of the other writers who was also kind of you know just coming onto the scene uh, was Joe Lansdale. Yeah, right. You know, and he got and and a couple of uh, you know a couple of knobs had you know written out Splatterpunk and it included him. You know, and he's like, hey, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, don't don't get that even anywhere near me. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine Lansdale be like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's a, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, he's like, nah, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not a Spotify. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, which means Joe Lansdale was smart um, <laughs> because he was, you know, because he was being because inevitably what happens is that people start building a, a fence around you. They build yeah. a box around right. you. Um, and my entire career has been basically sort of predicated on kicking down whatever boxes Agreed. somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. tries to put me in. Right. Um, I was going to say... So, uh, and then, and then the, the whole thing came up it, for a while there. It was, uh, it was uh, I don't know if you guys remember the loud versus, loud horror versus quiet horror. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Um, and that was kind of like the uh, the immediate uh, old guard. They they had been the new guard until we showed up, um, you know. And all of a sudden we show up, and it's like, who are these guys? You know, who are these little well, bricks? And and, you know, um, and and we just kind of stormed in, and, uh, and and we're making a lot of noise. And so it became this uh, this debate for a couple of years about loud horror versus quiet horror. And at a certain point, I realized it's like this is a really interesting debate. And if we were all, if all of us were really smart about it, we could, you know, kind of take this dog and pony show on road and get a lot of mileage out of it, you know, um, as long as it remained essentially sort of collegial, you know, and, and you know, and it was good energy for horror. Um, but inevitably, uh, it, it started... Uh, I don't know, bifurcating into warring camps, you know, on the con scene, and it became really toxic after a while. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
And then it just wasn't any fun. It, for me, it just it wasn't any fun at all anymore. Well, it's um, the same thing that I happened really to, like, to Ed Lee, right? Ed, Ed Lee, everyone loved Ed Lee in the beginning because of how severe he could be. And then suddenly, you know, as someone who works in severity, you you cross the line. And now right. everyone's, like, shitting all over well, you for the very thing that you... A couple of interesting things that, that um, you were saying, Craig, that brings to mind, like... Um, the same thing happens in like in almost any field. Like, like you know, I'm thinking about you know older writers, you know, kind of like you know you guys, you know you you don't need to do this. The same thing happened in comedy. Bill sure. Cosby talking. You to, don't need to work blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. And but I but I also think that um, I I think that it's necessary because. Every now and then, you know that that bottle, everything gets separated and stagnated, and you got to shake that shit up Fuck every yeah. now and then. And uh, I see what you guys were doing as basically the punk rock <laughs> version, uh, 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 at least horror writing. You know. Exactly that. Yeah. The DI, the old member, the old DIY yeah, yeah. ethic. Absolutely. Well, I mean, well, I mean, Craig's story of like how he got yeah, the so first gangster. book. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's uh, like it's so fucking gangster. Uh, it, it's almost the kind of story where it's like, of course your book got published because it had to. Because yeah, yeah that's awesome. Homeboy had to be like, you guys are awesome. Uh, you did you did six books with Skip, yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah. By my, by my count. Yeah. And when did the uh, I- six books, six books, two anthologies, and a novelization? We did the novelization for Friday. Night. That's yeah, right. Did how did. It's funny. I looked on the site and it listed that the novelization of Fright Night was the was published the year before Light at the End. Is that it's really point? odd. It's because Bantam bought the Light at the End, and then Light at the End was in production, and then they pushed back the pub date. Mm-hmm. And John and I were actually working on the cleanup at that point, but we pretty much burned through our advance, and we needed money. Nice. Um, and. So, uh, you know, our agents came in. They they had two novelization projects for us, um, and one of them was, uh, was you know, and, and the one that we really, I really wanted, it was like, oh, wow, it's this, it's this modern retelling of Frankenstein, and it's got Sting in it. And, you know, and I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, wow, that's yeah, yeah. really cool. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah. So we were up for the bride. You know, and then the other thing was, uh, you know, oh, and there's this thing called Fright Night. You know, um, and... You know, I was like, I, I didn't really want Fright Night. I wanted, you know, The Bride. Right. But at the last minute, they decided, no, we're going to go with, uh, I think they went with, you know, they're like, we, we want to get a woman writer to do this. Mm, you know, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. so then we, uh, you know, we got, we got Fright Night. And the weird thing about it is, is that, uh, you know, at time, they didn't let us in, you know, as, as the, you know, they, they really didn't let us in. We had the script. And we had some production stills, and that was it. Wow. You know, we we weren't on set. We didn't know anything about the film. And actually, the uh, you know when I read the script for Fright Night, um, the, you know, the funny, the comedy didn't leap off the page. Yeah. You know, it didn't it didn't read to me as funny. It just read to me as kind of dumb. You know, yeah. um, and you know, so we wrote the novelization of Fright Night as a scary book with some funny shit in it. Mm, right, you know, right. um, and then we saw Fright Night and it's like, oh, 
it's really kind of like a funny movie with some scary shit. Right. Yeah. I don't know. How? What is? It's kind of like the Reese's peanut butter cup thing, you know. Um, <laughs> so, is that is that probably yeah, and, strange? Like, it's like okay, here here's the story that somebody else came up with, right? And and you're getting like the skeleton of it because it's a screenplay. Yeah. So all the stuff that you do as a narrative writer really isn't there. Uh, uh, is do you see that kind of a job as more of a chore, or you know, like okay, this is the ditch digging that I have to do to pay my bills, or do you see it as this is a an opportunity to do something fun where I didn't have to come up with the idea? I think it's a uh, well. I think you get a lot more access nowadays uh, to the actual production. Uh, if you're doing an novelization, I think. Um, and uh, to me, it's just like, it's kind of fun. It, it's, it's, it's B. It's, um, you know, here's, you know, I get to write this thing, uh, and I don't have to do the heavy lifting of coming up with everything, and I can just kind of run with, you know, I can run with what's on the screen, you know. Um, and so to me, I think it's, it's kind of like a fun gig. Mm. You know, um, cool. And I know some I know some writers who've made a, you know kind of made a whole side career off of doing novelizations. Oh sure, of, uh, Kristen you know, Faust movies did and TV shows. Kristen you know? Faust did the novelization for Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Caitlin Caitlin Kiernan did the animated Beowulf, and I thought, isn't there already a novelization? <laughs> There's for like Beowulf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you gotta love it. It's like what's not to love about this? This yeah. is great. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I I don't yeah. before we tarry too long. I really want to get to. I don't know if I ever told you this, but your book, uh, um, book of the dead, changed my life. I don't get to yeah. most of any zombie shit without that. I, there was such a lyricism to it, and I remember in in the second one reading uh, Beth Massey's A Bed, um, and yeah. that was just that. That was a game changer. Um, tell me about uh, yeah. that. What yeah. was the decision to do that? Was that? I know you guys were both on the set of Savini's Night of the Living Dead. Was that all happening at the same time? It was all. Uh, well, no. Uh, actually, Book of the Dead uh, predated Savini's. It did, yeah. Uh, all right. Night of the Living Dead. Eighty-nine. You know, we were just. I don't know. I was. You know, I had. Uh, I John had moved from New York City back to York, Pennsylvania, and then I subsequently. Uh, left the city and moved back to York. Uh, and so I was just, like, sitting out on the patio of my apartment one day, and John came over, you know, and he's like, what do you think about, a, a you know, an, a, doing an anthology based on zombie stories, in, you know, from uh, the Romero universe? And I'm like, oh, that'd be fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's like, this would be great, you know? And we were sitting down, and we, uh, you know, we kind of came up with a, a hit list of, you know, what writers we'd like to invite to it next. and um, you know we called our agents and told them you know this is what we want to do and it's called Book of the Dead and they called our publisher and said you know um, we had a nickname at that point we were called The Boys hmm. you know um, it's like The Boys have an anthology they want to do it's called Book of the Dead blah 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 and it's like our publisher was like boom yeah love it Sweet. and so just like that we had a deal you know um and we sent out uh, we sent out letters to uh, invitation letters to the various contributors that you know our dream list of contributors that we like to have, and every single one of them said yes. Mm. And the first one who said yes and actually 
just said yes by sending us a story was Stephen King. Nice, nice, very cool. You know, and the second we had Stephen King, it's like, well, now this, uh, now this anthology is minted. I mean, it's going to be a bestseller. Sure, right, uh, right. because it's got a King, uh, an original King story in it. Um, but it's just like every single uh, every single contributor said yes, and we were off to the races. And then there's so many, you know, um, and it was really great yeah. because we we actually we actually introduced the modern zombie to literature. Nice, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Book of the Dead, absolutely. Um, I remember by virtue of the brilliance of the stories that uh, that they gave us, you know, and mm-hmm. in the second book. You know, a story like Beth Massey's A Bed is just like yeah. heart stopping. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And then there's these other. Um, was you guys? Um, I'm, I'm I'm getting old. I'm, is, I'm, I don't know if my memory is failing me. Failing me. Um, Poppy's Cal- Cut a Lord of Nerves is in there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's a, such a beautifully written story. And then um, I always also remember Mort Castle's Walk Don't Walk. It was really yes. made me kind of go. It, it goes back to what you were saying about bike messengers being invisible, right? Not seeing mm-hmm. the, the living dead because they're in the homeless population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just mm-hmm. such a, and and none you don't get anywhere without that guiding hand of yours and John's. I yeah, just yeah, think yeah. it's it's one it's it's I consider the two books one in my head anyway. That um, one of the most important anthologies ever, you know. Maybe with October Country. I think it's, I, yeah, I yeah. think I think those I think those two anthologies are kind of seminal works. I agree. You know, they they just went out and uh you know they went out and it's it's the it was a great concept you know and we shepherded it but it was the brilliance of the stories. Yeah, agree. Uh, yeah. Agree. You know? I and, and and coming into the present tense, I mean I'm, I can happily report I just signed uh uh Beth Massey uh has a story in. My new anthology. I haven't done an anthology since then. Right. You know, I have wow. not done an anthology. I have not done an anthology since what? 1989. Book of the Dead. Uh, still dead. Book of the Dead two. Yeah. You know. Um, and then uh, earlier this year, um, it became my. Uh, well, I think it's it's not really a secret. Um, you know, I'm kind of uh, as we speak. Uh, I have I have this interesting new life project of. Um, Fighting off stage four prostate cancer, metastasizes in my bones. Oh my god! Um, and I was sitting there, um, sitting out on the patio this summer, and I just had this idea, um, you know. And I guess it harkens back to what you d- described as my activism, you know, <laughs> my social <laughs> activism. You know, um, and uh, I just, you know, I was, I was reading something on somebody's Facebook thread. Um, and, you know, and it was this endless war going on, you know, on this, you know, this particular topic on this particular thread. You know, and I, I commented on it, and, you know, to the guy, and I'm like, you should really do an anthology based on this. You know, right. uh, you should do an, you know, and, and I'm like, I'm serious. And he didn't take the bait, and then a couple of minutes later I thought about it, and I commented, and I'm like, never mind, I'm doing it. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I just decided, if you're I just decided I was going to... I was going to do a, um, I, I was going to do you know a an anthology that was a uh, a freedom of speech themed dark fiction anthology. Nice. Um, nice. Call, called freedom of speech, <laughs> and 
You know, and I came up with my my hit list of you know writers that I'd like to have in it, and uh, you know I've gotten you know really kind of like a remarkable roster of people uh, who are there, and and Beth Massey was one of the, the first people I thought of, and she just sent in a story uh, the other day, mm-hmm. um, a couple uh, no, about two weeks ago, you know, and, and I read it, I'm like, oh my god, this is brilliant. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, she's great. I was like, yeah. Uh huh. She's wonderful. She's really great. So, yeah, and, and this this project has also become kind of my. It, it has really become my, you know, what Specter did on his stage four cancer vacation project. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, you know, because at a certain point, I'm like, I really need this. I really need this pressure. But uh, it was just one of those ideas of like, I have to. You know, I think this is a really cool idea. And then I contacted. Um, my current uh, favorite indie publisher of choice, uh, Dave Wilson at Crossroad yes. Press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been on the and, show. Yeah. You know, and, he, and he's fantastic. And, yeah, and he Crossroad is. Press is fantastic. And um, and I said, what do you think of this? And he's like, yeah, I think it's great. It's like, yeah, so you want to do it? He's like, yeah. And it's like, okay, I have a publisher. You know, um, yeah, Dave is and awesome. I just started putting it together. You know, um, and so, you know, there... There you go. Um, I mean, I also, uh, th- this year, uh, well, in the past year, I was uh, actually diagnosed last year. I had this odd experience of um, uh, last Memorial Day, uh, what, May, end of May last year, um, I, uh, I thought through the month of May, I thought I had a pinched nerve in my back. Mm-hmm. Um and it just wasn't getting better. I was going to the chiropractor because I, I had a problem with my back for years, you know, but it just wasn't getting any better. Um, and then on Memorial Day of last year, um, Monday morning, Memorial Day, I woke up, I stood up, and I fell over. Oh, my God. You know, uh, and my legs had basically stopped legging. Uh, I couldn't walk. I couldn't even stand up. Mm. Um, and at that point, it's like, okay, this is uh, – this is not a home care kind of thing. You know, you just punch 911. Right, yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, ambulance to the hospital, 12 hours in ER, uh, emergency CAT scan, uh, and et cetera, and emergency prostate exam. And they come along and they're like, well, the, uh, the uh, pinch, your pinch nerve is actually a tumor on the T7 vertebrae of your spine. <laughs> and oh, by the way, your prostate's enlarged, and your PSAs are 481. Whoa! Wow! And you know, yeah, normal PSAs are like one to five, and 481 is like you're still here. Yeah. yeah, yeah um. Wow. And so somehow, I mean, it, stages one through three just sort of flew under radar. I had no symptoms. It's just like boom. Oh my god! You know, sure. um, and and then they, uh, you know, I was 12 hours in the ER, and then they medical transported me uh, to uh, Centaur Norfolk General because they have neurosurgery. Um, and so they, they sent me right up into the trauma ward and I spent 12 days in trauma mm. and had emergency spinal surgery to get the tumor off my spine, you know, and then, and then it's kind of like, okay, and now we're doing this. I mean, it literally, it happened so, it was so sudden and so shocking that I didn't even have time to be scared. Right. I would um, imagine. It, it was just, I was just dropped headlong into the fight of my life for my life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so, you know, that's that's what I do now. It's kind of like, you know, at one point I was, uh, a couple of months ago, I was talking to my oncologist, and I'm like, wow, this uh, this stage four cancer thing, it's really kind of a full-time job, isn't it? 
You know, um, <laughs> it's like it's like every day kind of thing. Wow. You know, um, and uh, but in the meantime, you know, it's like uh, what what am I going to do? You know, I can't just sit around and you know or lay around and, and you know do nothing. Um, right. So one of the things I did was um, you know uh, even when I was in the ambulance being transported away. Um, I started, it, it started converting to art in my head, mm. you know, as it was going. And so, you know, I, um, I, I immediately took to my uh, Facebook settings and, and set them to public. <laughs> and then I, I started taking pictures and documenting all of this. Sure. And it became a project uh, called The Art of Not Dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while I was in the hospital, um, like my sister, my wife, Tess, was, you know, had to scramble and come down from Canada. Um, and my sister was, you know, in there, and she's like, do you need anything from from the apartment? I'm like, yeah, give me this, give me this, give me this, and, and bring me my guitar. Yeah, you know, um, and she brought the guitar in, and I would start, I started writing music while I was in the trauma ward because it actually just kind of, it literally lowered my blood pressure. Awesome. Um, and, and chilled me out, you know, and then when I got out of the hospital, and was discharged, you know, and then I'm going to do radiation and et cetera, et cetera, and chemo and all this stuff. You know, um, I just kept writing music and recording, and I have a, a home studio. And um, over the course of the year, from June of last year to June of this year, I wrote and recorded and produced an album mm-hmm. that I released on, um, on the one-year anniversary of my discharge from Norfolk General, uh, and it's, uh, it's called Resurrection Road. And awesome. It's just where, music from where music can, from the experience. It, where can people? Find it's up on iTunes. It's up on iTunes. It's on Amazon. It's on cdbaby.com. Uh, it's kind of everywhere. Huh. <laughs> you know, and it's available for digital download and as a physical CD. Well, um, I want to I want to tell you that that one, uh, uh, you sound amazing. And you sound great, and you sound really optimistic, and uh, 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 I, I applaud the fact that you're not laying down. You, you're writing. You, you made a fucking album. What the yeah. hell? Like, right, you know, it is. Yeah. And yeah. the album's great. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I just, I just find it hugely inspiring. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. I mean, you got. I'm. I'm just. You know. I'm kind of a. I'm a fighter by nature. You know. Um. I'm. I'm not inclined to take things lying down. And it's like, okay, so this is a fight. Yeah. You know. I mean, look. You know, we we look at what we work. You know, we work in horror, right? You know, we write. We write all these scary things. We deal. You know, with with you know the metaphors and imaginings of death. You know, all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact is, you know, we're all gonna die. I mean, every single one of us. Nobody gets out of here alive. Right. Um, so, you know, these things happen. It's like I'm not the I am not the first middle-aged man who you know came down with prostate cancer. Right. You right. know, um, and uh, you know, so you just fight. Yeah. You fight. You take every day as it comes, and you uh, it it definitely reconfigures pretty much your entire life from top to bottom. It reminds me of the, you know, there's, um, the, there's the quote about when a man knows he's to be hanged, it focuses his, in a fortnight, it focuses his mind greatly. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah. And I think yeah. We yeah. spend so much time not thinking about that, that stuff, that it's, it, 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 uh, 
the Dickinson line about the fact that life is so sweet is, or short is what makes it so sweet. Right, exactly. Before we go, I wanted to uh, I wanted to bring up uh, a quote from you that is uh, it, it like you know, but you know, like when you run across a quote or something that you read and yeah. you just like and yeah. you're like, holy fuck, yes, that that's my thought. That's my, that yeah, exactly. It's like you know, here is someone who gets me. You know, even though they've never met uh, me. Sure. And that is, uh, you're never going to be normal. You're never going to belong. You're always going to be the twisted, psychotic monster nobody realizes you are. God bless you, <laughs> sir. Because you, you totally, uh-huh. you get it. Um, it's true. <laughs> and it's that acceptance of that that makes it all okay. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, you know, and I'm really rather fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's freeing when you realize, like, oh. I don't like all the stuff they teach you as a child about yeah. conforming and, and yeah, the yeah, realization yeah. that you don't have to do that and it's okay to be all of those yeah. things. Absolutely, it's like oh, vanilla was well, not. Yeah, it's funny. It, it's funny. Right up at the head of this thing, you, you would you would describe my activism, which I'm, I'm kind of curious about because you know, <laughs> because because what I do, it, it's funny. What I do, you know, I I just really stay in my own little corner of the social media universe. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I just, you know, uh, I don't venture out. I don't proselytize. I don't, you know, but I, I rarely go talk on other people's pages. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, on my page, I talk about the shit that I want to talk about. Right. You know, um, and we live in, you know, incredibly divisive times. Um, and, you know, it's, it's all a giant crapshoot of what's going to come next, you know, but I can't say nothing about it. So I just kind of keep to myself, and anybody who wants to come, you know, everybody's welcome to come, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, it's kind of an open-door policy. It's like everybody's welcome to come and, if, you know, and come to the party. If, you know, if you're an asshole, you'll get bounced. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how I was going to say, that you don't suffer yeah. fools too lightly, you yeah. know what I mean? No, no. You know, I I don't look for. I I do not look for, nor do I want an echo chamber. Right. Um, I mean, I've got a lot of. I've got a lot of different kinds of people who end up interacting on my page. You know, of of various you know political stripes and and cultural stripes. Um, And everybody's welcome. But you know, we there are some ground rules. Like we use our indoor voices. Right. Um, You know, no no shouting and. and everybody has to regard everybody else with a baseline of respect. Sure, right. Yeah. You know, um, and it, you know, it's like we live in an age of, of, of cheap snark, and sure. what, it, what I've come to what I've come to call snarkasm. You know, as a, <laughs> as a you know, snarkasm as a substitute for actual thought. You know, right. um, so it's like it, anybody who comes in and, and starts cocking off you know, mouthing off or, or being just really ugly and nasty. It's like, you know, and I, I rarely block people. Mm. You know, I, I will rarely block people. I will just simply invite them to leave. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and I, they'll either take the hint or they won't. And then, you know, and then I discovered, and I, I think a lot of people would be a lot happier and healthier if they just rediscovered the magic of, of this thing called the delete button. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, and I've had people, you know, who come in to, and get into, you know, uh, 
talking, we're talking about a connection to you or something like that, and they, they just won't stop, and they just won't stop, and they, they start to just, you know, try to pile drive the thread, you know, um, or pick a fight or, or do one of the other charming things that people love to do on social yeah. media, mm-hmm. and um, I'll just delete them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and and, and you can you, you can you can be over in your on your keyboard wherever you are, going tapity tapity tap. You know, and it's like, oh, I'll show him, and then post, and then I'll read it and go delete. Two clicks <laughs> and it's gone, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's tantamount. Yeah, it's like all that all that effort wasted. Yeah, yeah. It's like it never <laughs> happened. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do remember. And you do that. You do that three or four times to somebody, and they'll go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I tell Cat all the time. I'm really lucky in that most of my social media, I don't encounter a lot of contrary opinions. Right. Um, and maybe that's because I will fo- unfollow a motherfucker like that. Well, yeah. But, but but I also think that that's a danger because that's how we get in this echo chamber where we're only surrounded oh, no by... One. We're no surrounded one. Yeah. By, no one's following me anyway. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, yeah, well, and I also, you know, it became, it became a matter of policy, but it's like, you know, uh, hearkening back to, uh, you know, life during cancer, it's like, I have to assiduously limit my intake of toxins. Exactly. Yeah. At this point, you know, um, even the emotional ones, you know, it's like, I, I just don't need to just, I don't need the crap. Well, right? yeah, who needs you know, that um, shit? Nobody like, needs that shit. It's like, it's like, life is, life is too short in general, but is definitely too short. Right. Right. Um, right and I, I just simply don't have time for it, you know. Yeah. Um, Especially if but, all it is is like, you know, that person, you catch that person on a down, on a down fifteen minutes, and he's bored. Right. And suddenly he starts his whole nonsense that he's not. You can tell that people. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, it's like, it. no, I don't have yeah, time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, screw you. Um, or you get into this kind of this this hysterical, you know, this pointed and hysterical uh, mob shaming, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and and all this kind of bullshit, uh, which is just all over the place these days. And and somehow, you know, I've been lucky, uh, you know, um, lucky or by design. You know, I I just don't get a lot of that because I don't see these things. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, it's like yeah, I, mean, I have no idea. You know, uh, I just don't expose myself to them, and I I kind of like, you know. And when I do see them, it's like it's pretty much like I've seen all these arguments before, and I'm not interested. Yeah, exactly. I've been on the you internet know, um, a long time. You know, I remember back like the early prodigy days. Tom's like, yeah, we had, we had two cans and a string. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. I learned a lot of debate from from tactics and and technique from that. And you know, when you start bringing out trotting out these things, I've we've seen a thousand times, and you just go, "Look, man, um, that ain't gonna even one remotely washer." I just feel like in the end, it's about being it's about propriety and you not coming in and shitting on my floor. Right. And. Um, uh, I, I just thought there's a little. It's like, look, this that. is my fucking page. I can say whatever I want, and that doesn't mean that you, you, you even get to weigh in. It's yeah, my yeah. page. Yeah. Um, we, we, yeah, I didn't come to your page. Yeah, exactly. You came here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. You're exactly. a guest in my house. But you see, there, there are a lot of it's like hashtag boundary issues. You know, um, there are a lot mm-hmm. of people that you know because something shows up in their feed, they think it, it becomes proprietary. Exactly. You know, um, they think, and and they think that to me, the metaphor I always use is it's like, it's like you wander down the street and you hear a party happening in my house. You know, 
and the gates open, and there's a welcome sign there, and you come in, and yeah, there's a party, you know, and it's like, but that does, just because you came to my party doesn't mean that you are on the deed to my house. Exactly. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is still my fucking house. I maintain um, a, go uh, to your own house. I maintain a completely public thing on Facebook, mm-hmm. and there's no... I, there, I think they're like an author page or something, but that. But so as a result of having that open availability to your page, I get a lot of like, this is clearly someone's grandmother that's walked in here, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you know, grandma just found herself, you know, in, in a leather bar. Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, not, and it's not fair yeah. for me to to cut her off at the knees. Um, right. But I sh- definitely need to show her the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This gym yeah, and also, you know, different people have, everybody's got their own, you know, it, with everybody, it's kind of like their house, their rules, but, you know, some people don't, I do, I curate my mm-hmm. page. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. it's like, if I post something up and there's a thread going on there, I I watch what's going on on it, mm-hmm. you know, and I know other people who just kind of like, they'll post something up and just let people have at it with each other, yeah. you know, and just just go at each other's throats <laughs> and just, the they person just who started the threat it's like they, they, they're not even there yeah. you know feels, and it's like why it feels glad it's why you know? yeah yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. it's like it's cool it's, you know, like, um, it's like hey here's I'm gonna put up this big pane of glass and here's a pile of rocks <laughs> and I'm gonna walk away <laughs> <laughs> walk away and, and watch what, what you guys do <laughs> you know um yeah uh, so I, I will curate I will curate my page. If I see two people going at it, you know, um, and disrespecting each other, I'll I'll shut them down. Yeah, no, you know, it's like because I, I'm I'm just not going to have it. I'm I'm limiting my intake of toxins. The, you know, uh, and it's like the the other you know? thing that I'll do is I'm really quick to say to the two people that are arguing privately in PM. This is who this person is. Like you need to know who this person is, right? Because you you don't know. It, yeah. Yeah. Especially um. Well, yeah. like for example, I had a situation where an argument start, started to sort of break out. Yeah. And there were several people involved, and, and a, one of them was uh, Iqualis from Zappa's band. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, myself. Scow and John Bullich and uh-huh. I was like everyone I know Scow and Bullich <laughs> knows who they are but we need to talk about who everybody is so yeah. that we kind of get at least can contextualize well, and, and, and I think that's and, important and, and there's and so that there's some mutual respect because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's real easy to be uh, reactionary to someone who's just a name yeah. and you, and you don't know who they are yeah, you have yeah, no yeah. idea you know you yeah, yeah. and so, and then you come to find out the guy that you've been telling doesn't know Splatterpunk is one of the guys who started <laughs> Splatterpunk, you know, and you're yeah. Like, yeah, you know, you, I, but you know, and that happens a lot where it's like, you know, you get some young, I, I, I probably shouldn't say that, not young person, but just somebody un, uninformed who is yeah. trying to, I don't know, they're trying to like, you know, school people and... And it turns out the people they're trying to school are the ones that, that built the school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I uh, yeah, and it's like we live in very contentious and divisive times, and and that's why I think you know when I decided to do this uh, this new anthology, um, you know, a, a, as I'm looking, you know, and, and you know, the culture keeps evolving even as I'm doing this, and and with some of this stuff going on now, um, it's like I never thought I'd live to see the day when the concept of freedom of speech is is considered 
to the uh, the purview of uh, of Nazis. Right. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, what the, what the hell planet did I just wake up on? Um, you know, it, it's just like, and you know, it's it's just really weird that these these tonal shifts happen. That you know, freedom of speech, which you know, when I was coming up, I was a kid and a young teenager and everything. You know, freedom of speech and everything that was kind of like uh, that was uh, you know the thing that the counterculture was arguing for, right? You know, um, against the establishment, and now. You know, it's like 40, 50 years later, and suddenly it, it's flipped. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah. and and I see I see a lot of you know, well-meaning you know well-meaning liberals um, who who seem to be very uh, very keen on the idea of well, freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences, mm-hmm. and that always seems to me like a veiled threat. You know, it's like, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did we come to this? Yeah, I just love you know, the, um, I just love it, the talk of weird. punching people by people who have never punched people. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like, go out and put, I'm like, like, who's the last person you punched? Yeah, exactly. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, you know, we're punching Nazis. Well, who's a Nazi? Well, anybody who says anything I don't like. Yeah, that freaking Nazi kid <laughs> down the street. I hate that yeah. kid. That old lady. He's, right, he's, he's, literally, he's literally here. It's like, <laughs> it's so, like what the fuck? You know, we've got uh, at this point, we've got sort of the uh, you know, in its worst, in my estimation, you know, in its worst iteration, you know, the right skews toward the authoritarian, mm-hmm. and right. that they want to control everything, everything you say and everything you do, you know, and that's bad. But right. then the left in its extreme iteration, is more, not so much authoritarian as totalitarian. They want to control everything you say, mm-hmm. do, think, and right. feel. Right, right, right. You know, and they both suck. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. if it, why are these the only two choices on the menu? If I, if I sat down in a restaurant and this was, you know, and I opened up the menu and these were the only two choices, I'd go to a restaurant. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, you know I, I do not accept this. This is, something's wrong here. It's you know, so um, much like so much else that humanity does is that there's this ego. There's this ego involved. It's yeah. the desire to be right. And the knowledge that at any minute you someone can shove a camera or a microphone in your face, you can say the right or wrong thing, and now you're... Look at that guy that was at the debate, the guy in the red sweater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah He's yeah. making appearances places. Yeah, it's like... It's, like the, the, it's the ridiculous. Cash Me Outside girl has a record deal. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that, that kind of tells everything you need to know. <laughs> so I think it's... People, people know that if they can be loud enough and if they can be abrasive enough, they can... They get can, some They can get some attention. Some and, attention. And that's yeah. the... And, and that's the... <laughs> That's the the sad thing, right? Is that yeah. like, uh, is that the world pays attention, you know? And it's like, yeah. and it's usually the bigger car wreck. Yeah, that exactly. Gets the, the attention. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're running out of time. Yeah. There is so much. Well, we've all become we've all we've all become we've all become voyeurs at the twenty four seven car wreck. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know. It's not so much that you know. I don't. I'm. I'm not naive enough to expect that that's never going to happen. But when that's all that happens anymore, that's not good. I agree. 
you know, um, and so I, I just decided, you know, for my own purposes, you know, in my uh, what Specter did on his stage four cancer vacation, I'm I'm doing this anthology because I want to, awesome. you know, turn it into, you know, dark. It's it's dark fiction for for the dark of heart. So this you know, is not, um, and it's freedom of speech. This will be. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. What does that mean to you? Because freedom of speech has become a bit of a Rorschach at this point. Right. You know, exactly. I mean, there are people there are people who are wanting to, you know, who are sort of like, well, I don't agree with, you know, freedom of speech. I think that it should be, you know, and it's like, and the weird thing about it is, here's another thing that strikes me as hugely ironic, is that, you know, the people who are most in favor of limiting freedom of speech, you know, um, are assuming that there will be some state uh state-empowered mandate that's going to enforce the restrictions for them. Yeah, right. You know, um, and so, and then, but these very self-same people are just like, they seem to be, I don't know, irony challenge. It's just like, you realize that that can be used against you. You know, you realize that precedent can be so easily used against you. And as a matter of fact, oh, by the way, have you noticed who's president? Right, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why would you want to give the government that power? You know, yeah. um, are you crazy? So often with these, a lot of these these would-be William F. Buckley's I find online, <laughs> you, uh, you you dig a little deep into the into their Facebook page, yeah. and you're like, oh, well, look, you got Mary dressed as Shrek. <laughs> why should I listen to anything you have to say, buddy? Yeah, um, so, uh, the book will be available through Crossroad, as are your yeah. other your other slow stuff, right? Bear, to bury the dead yes. underground, turn around. You can all get it to at. Um, yes, that's all available. Uh, all the Skip and Spectre titles, except for the Bridge, uh, which is in the uh, Amazon universe. Um, okay. But all the Skip and Spectre titles are on Crossroad. All of my souls are on Crossroad, and in fact, uh, earlier this summer. Uh, Crossroad did an, an omnibus uh, called Craig Specter's So Far, uh, which oh. is all three of my solo novels. Really? I didn't you know, know. Under one cover. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't either. And, that, and that's available on, on Amazon. And also, you know, when I picked that, I was like, actually, considering my current health battles, I think that the title is really rather optimistic. It is. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because it presumes there will be a continuation, you know, uh, well, so that's out now, and uh, you know, I, I've just I've been keeping my hand in, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, working on on stuff and just you know keeping keeping the creative juices going. You know? Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Well, and and I was going to say you you have to this because there's a lot of shit we haven't talked about. I know you got to come back. Yeah, we, we <laughs> definitely we need to get sure. you back. Yeah, here. Yeah, I, yeah. I really want to talk to you about process and a couple of other things. Um, is there uh, is there a uh, Website that people can go to to sort of aggregate all your stuff. Is there like a Craig Specter? Uh, you know, I had a I had a Craig Specter dot com website for uh, for a long time, but then I finally just dumped it yeah. because I just realized it's like you know, um, if I have anything that I'm going to you know promote or say, uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do it on Facebook. Sure. You know, yeah. uh, because because Facebook is kind of like Facebook is the social media inter, uh, information that's super highway. Right. You know, um, and and to me, for me personally, my own little author page is kind of like an off ramp to a cul de sac. Right. 
Right. You know, and yeah, it's yeah. like you're you're waiting, you're you're hoping that we get off the highway and come to your little garden there. You know, and, and it's like, yeah, you know, uh, it's like it, the tra- the traffic wasn't worth the maintenance. Right. Sure. You know, well, um, and so I eventually just I, I eventually just shut it down and it's like anything I've got to say, I'll say it. You know, on my uh, on my personal Facebook page, and I also have a page up called the Art of Not Dying. Right. And there's um, also the Amazon author page, right? Do you have one of those? I have an Amazon author page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the, your, your you know, so right. it's basically readily. My available. stuff is out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and readily I, available, and I highly yeah. recommend it, man. You, I tell you, dude, I love you. You, you, you gave me a blurb at a time when I just was about ready to just nuke the entire thing <laughs> and it just meant the world <laughs> and more importantly it was because of you that I met two people that heavily influenced me that being John Bullich and Phil Nutman yeah 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 um, and I'm, I'm always both of, both of whom are sadly not, with us anymore yeah. well yeah, yeah yeah and I and yeah. I will all be eternally grateful to you not only for that but also for just you being a kind guy and 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 helping a brother, I just I I love you, man. Yeah, cool people are cool, man. Cool people, right, man. yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, thanks you again, know, dude. You just try to you try to leave things better than you found them. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, I if, if I can go through my life and leave everything everything I touch a little bit better than I found it, I think I've done all right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, I think you have. I talk. I never hear people when your name comes up. It's always spoken of like yeah. they're never like, oh that fucking that crap, ass, that god. Like my name <laughs> comes up. <laughs> I get that all the time, which is which is really funny because I'm such a bastard. <laughs> I, but that's what's great about it is yeah. that I know that there's. I know when you go to Craig, you're not. There's no. There's going to be no filter. You're going to get exactly what he thinks. Right. And I think that's awesome. And we that's need, and, we need and more really that. honesty is is yeah. where it's at. Yeah. All right, that's enough of me. Yeah. Playing. Well, I mean, it, I it's like I'm exactly you know like me, uh, hate me, whatever. I'm exactly as advertised. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I, I like me. Me being me is the full time job. Yeah. You know? um, so. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, the one place that you can come, uh, one place that I do have is uh, I have a music site that's just craigspectormusic.com. Uh, oh, nice. Which has, which has uh, the entire uh, well, it kind of tells the entire story of of uh, my new album Resurrection Road, um, and the the weird tale of how it all came about. There's pictures, there's all kinds of stuff there. Uh, a little slice of life from the last year, and you can also uh, listen to the entire album on Holy the website shit. for free, uh, and then you can you know try it before you buy it. Really. Um, and it's it's all right there. The lyrics are there. Everything's there. Uh, CraigSpectreMusic.com. And then again, the album is available on CDBaby.com and on Amazon and on iTunes. That, I I mean I missed that. Was that CDBaby? Yeah. Okay. CDBaby. CDBaby.com. Right yeah. On. Right on. It's it, it's a great it, it's a great site for indie artists everywhere to get their CDs and music out. Yeah. A lot of the people I listen to got their their stuff out there. Yeah. Are you? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, good, awesome. Well, we're gonna get out of here. We are definitely gonna reschedule you back out. We'll talk about process and about a lot of the stuff. I want to get into the nuts and bolts of writing. Of writing, and then yeah. it's gonna be rad. storytelling. Sure, absolutely. Uh, but until then, we will be back in just a second.
desert, it's just the same thing over and over again. Okay, so we're back. Um, I always say this at the, after the break, but Craig, right? Yeah, fucking A. Fucking yeah. A, yeah, yeah. Solid, solid stuff. And there's a there's a perspective there like that's the, 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 that's a, that's a working writer that's yeah. working his ass off and, uh, and facing a lot of shit. Um, it's going through news and stuff. I got a few things here that are kind of cool. Um, we'll start with, of course, with deaths. Uh, sci-fi writer Kit Reed died. Right. I don't know if you've ever read Kit. Um, she was a, a, a sci-fi writer, so a lot of horror people don't really read her, but she was one of those ever-present faces at sure. things like Nikon and Necronomicon and all those kind of things. Um, uh, uh, Eric Ike, I want to say that his name is. He was the singer for the band Corrosion of Conformity. Right. Who was was a big sort of thrashy, yeah. punky, metal-y band. Yeah. Um, Anne Jeffries, who was in uh, General Hospital. She was in Falcon Crest, and she was one of the ghosts with Lewis Carroll in was, Copper. Yeah. Was uh, Corrosion of Conformity... Were they, because uh, I'm unfamiliar, I know the name, mm. were they a, what I call a cookie monster singing band? Oh, yeah, I know, I know, get you, it's close, it's yeah. like a lot of that stuff, it's kind of a punkish band, I, if you told me to hum one of their songs right now, I, I couldn't, Sure, sure. but it was one of those, it was one of those bands that like you always saw a patch of theirs on someone's gear, or, right. or what have you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But Ann Jeffries, uh, a beauty in the day, was mm-hmm. in Topper. Um, and then uh, Barry Denon, who played Pilot in Jesus Christ Superstar. Right. Uh, who delivers one of the greatest line readings ever at, at the end of the 39 Lashes. Yeah. About, don't let me stop your great self-destruction. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. so great. Um, and then the biggie this week was Hugh Hefner. Right. Uh, were you a Playboy guy? Um, no. Um, I was a penthouse guy. Yeah. Uh, penthouse and we. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Where are we? Where are my, yeah, 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 my yeah, kind of yeah. go-tos? Uh, yeah. Hustler was too, too out there for me. Hustler, I always thought of Hustler as a comedy magazine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? yeah, yeah. You know of, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the great, like, 
uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the great uh, Chester the Molester comics. Right. And, and the comics that would, the one panel comics that would just go, see the line of decency and go, not a problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was not a Playboy guy. Um, I... I I I I was I saw a lot of that world when I was working at the Palms. Oh sure. Because we had we had the the one. ABN right. Uh, well we had you, we yeah we always hosted ABN, and um, and I we had the one licensed Playboy store. Oh. We had how the Playboy cool. Suite, which was like this three story, insane. Mm-hmm. Um, Sweet, and uh, uh, Hefner would always stay there whenever he came to the Palms. Oh, that's so, cool. You know, so you know, it's 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 like any of those people when you work in that that job is like you you meet them and you talk to them for a minute and mm-hmm. stuff. It's been interesting to see on social media how what people thought of of him. I out of my I don't know thousand plus friends. I've only had one person who's been like basically rest in hell, you know, yeah. Hugh Hefner, and you're, well, he's got gotten this reputation has been sort of this feminism yeah. icon, and I don't remember that. Uh, I, I remember, you know, he was always, but he was always also the guy who brought things to your attention that were cool. Well, you know? yeah, and and you know, it, Playboy magazine was so much more than just. Naked mm-hmm. women, and and yeah. and over time, it uh, gar it, it it developed and garnered this respect as a as a mm-hmm. as something more than that. Yeah, the Playboy interview. Yeah, absolutely. I always remember Playboy was the uh, the pinnacle. In if you could sell to to Playboy, you were you were a, you were on your way. You, you were, were a, a big writer. Deal. Yeah. And when I uh, King, you said in Dance Macabre, he used to submit all the time. He couldn't get into Playboy, but he could get into Nugget and Swank and right. Gent. Yeah. And uh, it was because he said that that I did my first submission was to Swank. Yeah. And I got into Swank and that was pretty groovy. But uh he was a dude who, you know, he had that whole bachelor pa- bachelory kind of thing yeah. and and then it was later years that uh, you know it, it I, I don't know. It's it, you know when he's wandering around with the four girlfriends and he's yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. in my nineties and I'm still getting trim. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh, there's no denying that the footprint that this guy left. Well, and, the, and and you know the thing the thing about it is like almost almost every woman you ever talk to that's been in Playboy speaks of it as a positive experience mm-hmm. not as you know well i felt like i was being exploited or when we talked to barbara you know she mm-hmm. was like you know i was this age and why not you know yeah. and, and, and and i think it's important for people to i think it's important for all people as they go through life to to document themselves in photography and sometimes even nude photography because sure. That's that's really the essence of who you are, yeah, you know. And, exactly. And, and our clothes so often can be like masks, armor. masks, yeah. and armor, and, and we adopt a tribe and all that other sure, stuff. Sure, sure. Uh, and then the other piece of bad news this week was um, Julia Louise Dreyfus tweeted one in eight 
women will get breast cancer, and today I'm the one. Uh, so she's been diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, hopefully that will uh, that will take a, a positive thing. Yeah. Uh, kind of have a positive outcome. Um, moving on to news. Some of these you're gonna really hate. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> First off. Greg Berlanti, who has what they call the Berlanti-verse, the Arrow, the yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is bringing a, sh- a sh- gender-swapped show to Fox. Uh-huh. And that show is... <laughs> Kung Fu. <laughs> so a female monk... Oh. Traveling who knows where. I'm going to guess L.A. or some sure. modern-day nonsense. And, uh, yeah... Maybe she's in a a, a dystopian. <laughs> I don't. Know. I just read that. I just thought, I was like, is there a call for this? What? With someone going, you know what, what we need? <laughs> but it's more the of people like Berlanti, the the pillaging of our of our youth, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. idea of like, ah, you remember this, right? Yeah. And I, we may even get to a couple of check more of this them. out. I, how's <laughs> this for an idea? <laughs> and it just nauseates me that the answers seem everything now is you know. Gender swap. It's I gonna really, be, it's I gonna really, be all women. I, I, I th- you know, it, this makes me. I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Kung Fu dog. There where, you go. Where it's 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 a, it's a, a Shaolin dog. Shaolin <laughs> dog. He's been watching these people train for years, and now he. Yeah, it's like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> the time movie chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, um. Speaking of Fox, they're going to launch a series based on... Uh, I'm already laughing. I have no idea. What oh, you're going to really hate this. Uh, remember Nice Guys, the Shane Black movie with oh, yeah. Ryan Gosling? Nice and Girls. Nice Girls. Yeah. Sure. Because that's what you do. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i against all of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? How about we do this? How about we take a couple of female private eyes and put them in the 70s? And we call it something else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, David S. Pumpkins, Tom Hanks' character that was a breakout hit on SNL. Remember that? I do not. Uh, he's a he's wearing he's got two guys that are dressed as skeletons and he's wearing this pumpkin suit. Okay. No, right. it doesn't look like a pumpkin. It's a business suit, but it's got pumpkins all over it. I, it was a breakaway hit. I'm less familiar year. with this. Yeah. Well, you're not missing much. Um, but it's going to be an animated special. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. It's one of those things where, like, I think we got a hit here, and I guess Hanks may not want to commit to a thing where he has to go to New York to be in it, but he can record voice anyway. I'm waiting for the Jack Handy action movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Handy, private eye. Uh, this one, this one had me scratching my head, too. <clears throat> Times Square in in the the Disneylandization of Times Square. Right. They're adding two rides. Yeah. One is based off Hunger Games. <laughs> and the other is based off of John Wick. <laughs> John Wick, the ride. The ride. People just punch you in the face as you <laughs> go by. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. It's like, do you, is it a, la- I, I could see it being some lame laser tag thing. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Hocus Pocus 2 is coming to the Disney Channel. Okay. With, 
With a new cast. With a new cast. Why? Because Sarah Jessica Parker is, what, in her 50s now? 60s? Uh, yeah. Bette Midler, forget about it. But um, I disagree. I say, let's 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 bring him back. Why are we going to recast this? And, and now it's it's coming to the Disney Channel, so I'm expecting, like, iCarly Halloween special yeah, or something else yeah, like that. silly. <laughs> I got a lot of these. We're going to go just buzz through them. Uh, speaking of TV series, coming to TV as a series, David Cronenberg Scanners. This I is, saw that, and I'm just all like, real, man. What? It's the head explosion of the week. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I kind of get it in the same way that you would do. You could do what you're doing entities the same way you're doing Highlander or whatever else. Sure. You you extend your confrontation with the big baddie right. and blah 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 blah. Westworld. Blah. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. But um, I I don't know where it's going to land, but that that property requires a little bit of gore. Yeah. yeah. So if it's if it's at Showtime or at HBO or something I'm like that, I'm sure I'm sure that that element of it will be fine. Um, it just seems weird it's like hey let's i why not the fury the series you know dude <laughs> the fury is such a great movie it is that no one ever talks about no yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh when john cassavetes explodes yes jeez spoiler <laughs> that's kind of a big spoiler let's see uh move on michelle williams who was in um, dawson's creek and she was she, she was uh, she had a child with heath ledger right um, is being considered for the Tom Hardy Venom flick. There's uh, a, I didn't, did we have we talked about the Tom Hardy as Venom? No, we didn't. I remember reading it, and I just kind of ignored it. Shrug. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know that, that that sounds like a good idea. I don't know. I, who knows? More head scratching. Here you go. So, Dennis Villeneuve. Um, who directed The Arrival. Right. And has now got Blade Runner 2049 out. Right. Which I have which, not read a bad review of. Right, exactly. Everything I've read has been like, holy fuck, holy fuck, holy fuck. Yeah. So here you have two kind of space, science fiction-based properties. Right. They want him to do the planned remake of Cleopatra. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Cleopatra was a bad idea... The first yeah. time around, like, I just with with the popularity of things like B the B Ben Hur remake, like right. no one's calling for biblical epics. No, and it, that's essentially what Cleopatra is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sure no. Now no. this this it should be said that this would fall into his roster after Dune, right? Which he's doing now, right? Right, right. What they're doing now, which I'm. Based on, I'm so stoked for Blade Runner, um, and I'm even if Blade Runner is what I think it's going to be, Dune is going to be opera. It should um, be, yeah, yeah. Um, Simpsons will be spoofing Coraline in an upcoming episode, and Neil Gaiman's going to be doing a voice. Nice. Uh, By the way, uh, for people in the Portland area, um, in October, uh, Leica. Is, has a museum exhibit that oh, everybody, cool. everybody should go check out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck, we should go down. Yeah, there. yeah, we totally should. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, and and especially now because like um, this comes from people I know who work there, uh, is really ramping down. Like we're not oh. going to be seeing 
the amazing stuff that they've been doing the last several years where we, we get a movie a year. Oh, that's, that's a drag. When I, th- I assume, and I, this is just a guess on my part, but I assume that has something to do with Homeboy um, directing live-action stuff. He's doing the live-action Bumblebee movie, Oof. like something like that, and just like, eh. So... The Transformers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. So... Uh, if you're if you're in that area, you should definitely go and check it totally. out. Totally. Yeah, because totally. it might be the last time you see some of that stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. I saw that uh, Kevin McTurk hit a hundred grand. Yeah. We're close, man. Super close. Six, Six days left. Uh, he need he only needs twenty grand left. If you if you listen to the show, you've heard Kevin. You've heard us rave about the stuff that he does. I want this thing so bad. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be so great. Uh let's see, Flatliners came out. The Flatliners remake. Yeah. It has a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it's not that people hate it, it's just no one's going to no see it. No one cares. No one it, like I the, really Flatliners is what we're gonna remake? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all it's really sort of millennialized, uh, you know, and it's uh, just uh, uh. Uh, Lauren Michaels once. Let me back up a minute. Mr. Show. They did a, an additional like season on Netflix. Yeah. Uh-huh. Lauren Michaels wants to do the same thing with Kids in the Hall. Yeah. I'm down. And sure. Yeah. 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 Kids in the Hall was cool. Put, um. You could put me down for anything. I would love to. See, you know what I would love to see? Um, a talk show format uh, with Scott Thompson. Scott Thompson is Buddy Love. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. That would be great. That would be very Have cool. Have everyone drinking, kind of like what they're doing on the Bravo show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? um, uh, fans of anime, there's a thing called, it's a gender body swap anime called Your Name. J.J. Abrams is doing a live action remake. Whoa. It's 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 where a boy and a girl in a city, they, they wake up, flip, swap. back yeah, and yeah, forth, yeah, yeah. and they, they both try to figure it out and blah, blah, blah. I remember uh I remember a uh, uh, a manga called Ramna One Half. Yeah. And that was kind of the at least the premise was the same. It's like, oh, this happens and I'm a girl all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Which is interesting. Uh Jonathan Levine who directed the uh, the cancer film with Joseph Gordon Levitt and Seth Green fifty fifty. Right. Is directing a coming to America sequel with Eddie Murphy. Nah. We talked about Beverly Hills Cop four, I think, last week. And yeah, now yeah, we've yeah. got Coming to America two. Oh well as 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 much as my initial response is bleh um I, I want to see Eddie Murphy doing cool shit again. You know what I'm going to see? If you're going to do a sequel to something, do a sequel to Raw. Dude, do, do a, a stand-up tour. No, do a sequel to The Golden, the Golden Child. Child. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. Where's the, We need another Charles <laughs> Dance movie. Yeah, sure. Sure, why not? Yeah. But I think... The coming to America thing, I don't know if it's... Is this a cynic in me that thinks that it, it may they may be trying to capitalize on the heat from Black Panther? Maybe. Because the whole Wakanda thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it. I don't know. Stephen King says there will be new versions of The Stand and Salem's Lot. Uh, what Cinema. does that mean? Film. Oh, okay. He also says he knows what's wrong with Dark Tower, which I'm sure the produce 
producers are going, well, why didn't you speak up yeah. <laughs> when, we, when we were making that motherfucker? Yeah. Well, I also I also get the feeling that even if you're Stephen King, the producers are like, we know what's best. We know what's best. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, I will stand by the ABC TV version of The Stand. I love the, I love the television version of The Stand. I love the television version <laughs> of It. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And uh, and I haven't seen I I haven't seen the new movie yet, but I I I know from having talked to a lot of people that it's right in my wheelhouse. I I know sure. I'll be really happy. I have with a feeling it. you'll you'll uh, really um, right. Yeah. And so uh, the space now Salem's Lot was done as a TV movie as well with David Soul. Yeah. Um, James. Whatever that kid's Mason? name was. No, James Mason was in it. He was he yeah, was the Renfield character. He was the Renfield character. I don't know. Reggie who... Nalder. N- Reggie Nalder? Reggie Nalder was the vampire. Um, it's solid. Salem's Lot. Two things about Salem's Lot. One, it's a great vampire novel. Two, I fucking blatantly stole the opening to my book from, from a little moment in that. Right. Um... But that televised version has one of the creepiest things you'll ever fucking see. The kid in the when window. When the kid in the window. Yeah. I was just like, I remember watching that. And, you know, largely being immune to scary shit mm-hmm. and being scared. And the, it the, was book like, is, it's, the book is my first King that I read. And I just remember, remember the, the dick? It was like a really bitchy, dicky bus driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. he... There's, he goes out and there's kids in his there's bus. There's kids in his bus, oh, yeah. So yeah. fucked up. And, and by the way, I, I saw, you know, they remade it. With, Did they? Yeah, they remade it with a, as a TV miniseries with, I want to say, Rob Lowe was the... Oh, yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And, uh, they did a return to Salem's Lot, too, mm. I want to say. But, yeah. I loved that, that they made um, the main vampire... Barlow? Barlow. That, Barlow. Um, you know this Nosferatu guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it looks like Max Shrek. Was like so cool. Yeah, that was, that's yeah. the Reggie Nalder thing. You know who's a good friend of Reggie Nalder's? David DelVal. Oh wow. They, he, they, they. I kind of get the feeling that David's friends with everyone. David is friends with everyone. <laughs> David is awesome. Um, yeah, I think that uh, Salem's Lot is a great book in that it's 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 Hungry King because it's just after Carrie right right it's pre-cocaine King so it doesn't get too squirrely right and um he it's so modeled off of Dracula Rob Stoker's Dracula yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it, well that's the thing about it is that it's it's like I love when people successfully mm-hmm. go back to something and say I'm gonna do my version of this sure and they pull it off yeah. because so often when people try to do that they it fails miserably and he, he did it perfectly. Yeah, he knocked yeah. it out. It's, of a yeah. it's a great book. It's a great book, and it never gets a lot of. I th- I throw it in there with like great vampire novels of all time, like yeah. Fever Dream and absolutely. Uh, John Cena, the wrestler, yeah, and Kumail Nanjiani, who has a movie out now called The Big Sick. He's a stand-up. He's in yeah. um, Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are are doing a buddy cop movie from <laughs> Zombieland director Ruben Fleischer. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's a comedy. It's a buddy cop film. Sure. By the way, whatever happened to the Zombieland TV show? Because I think that would have been fucking awesome. Should have, would have been. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, zombie, zombies are a 
are a funny little thing now where they're they live in this weird world because they're so overexposed on The Walking Dead. Right. And no one has ever has done anything to um, kick the parameters of the, the thing out. Sure, sure. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of death, you know. Well, although and, we're going to get to something in a minute that that is a new thing coming out. And that, that is why, and about. that's why, whenever we run across something like it stains the sand's red, we're kind of like, hey, hey, yay, yeah. cool. Um, by the way, which is available on just Blu-ray came out. Now, yeah, yeah, I saw Clayton was. Posting pictures of himself yeah, yeah, yeah. holding it. And it's like, look, I found this at Walmart. Uh, Men in Black spinoff coming in 2019. Iron Man writers, it's uh, handling. It's from Sony. Somehow Spielberg's involved, probably as a producer. Okay, that could be cool. Could I don't be. Know. Yeah. <coughs> I like the Men in Black franchise. I do too. Generally, um, the best Men in Black Three. I mean, it's 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 horribly flawed, but man, just to watch James Brolin channel Tommy Dude, Lee Jones. Dude, Tommy Lee Jones was great. Yeah, he's, he's, shit. yeah, he did a great job. Uh, you're going to hate this, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen Stewart from um, Twilight. Yeah. Lupita Nyong'o, who is in... Um, um, she's in Star Wars, and she's in a couple of other things. Uh-huh. They're in talk to, with, uh, to reboot... <laughs> With Elizabeth Banks directing. Elizabeth Banks, who was Rita Repulsa. And right. She was in Charlie's Angels. <laughs> no need for that. We got a couple more and we'll get out of here. Uh, Actually, I got one more and then we'll get on to something else. Uh, no, I, why? <laughs> Somebody, some producers need to stop fucking watching me, me TV and TV land. And they go, this is a great idea. So... And then finally, this I'm excited about. Okay. And not because it's just from AARP. Uh huh. <laughs> AARP, who knew, has a YouTube channel. On the YouTube channel, they're having a show uh, that's going to de- debut called Dinner with Don. And it's Don Rickles and someone sitting down to dinner and talking. It's an interview show. Where the two of them and Don Rickles is dead, but they shot this before he died. Okay, but, but okay. <laughs> listen to some of these names: Amy Poehler, Zach Galifianakis, wow. Paul Paul Rudd, Billy Crystal, Vince Vaughn, Judd Apatow, Marissa Tomei, and a couple of others. Holy fuck, that sounds amazing! It does sound amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it goes back to we've talked about this on the show, I'm sure, but Dinner for Five. Yeah, exactly. I love the idea of gathering people who shouldn't ever be in a room together. Right. Put them in a room together and give them something that's communal, like food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, I would love to see it be something like Italian food, where it's not just here's your plate, like it's a communal thing, because I think that food is one of the, and drink mm-hmm. is is the great icebreaker, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and um, by the way, did you see the the picture of um, Lisa Land with? Uh, uh, Gilbert, Gilbert, Gilbert Godfrey, Godfrey. Yeah, 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 that was pretty good. I also just saw her with, a, she just posted a photo with uh, Bill Murray. Oh, wow. Lisa Land being Scott Land's wife. Yes. And Scott was a sh- is a is the guy who did the marionettes on Team America, Team and America. he's been on the show. Yeah. we got to get that guy back on, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, he you know, he's been recovering from a brain injury. Yeah, he yeah, had yeah, a big yeah. car accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah overseas, yeah. yeah. So get, get well with him. Yeah. Uh, trailers. Some good stuff. I edit out a lot of a lot of, a lot of shit, yeah, but there's yeah. some some squirrely things. Uh, let's start with uh, something we talked about before: the Darkest Hour. This is a longer trailer. You can find the the, the link 
um, on the website or on the Facebook page to this playlist. Uh, Gary Oldman is Winston Churchill. Yeah. Uh, is this Oscar bait the, or what? Yeah, this, this looks amazing. Yeah, yeah just... Amazing. Super looks amazing. It looks it, it it gets me excited for a film about Winston Churchill, with, which in the same way, kind of that I'm super excited for this Thurgood Marshall movie. Right, that looks yeah. great. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, this is more of the same. It just explains a little more of the story. And, sure. And helps people. Uh, I we were talking about zombies. I'll I'll hit this one now. Um, Anna and the Apocalypse. This took Fantastic Fest by storm. Yeah, it's kind of a zombie it, musical it, comedy. It looks, at the very least, it looks really fun. Yeah. Um, and and wackadoodle enough that yeah. that is like, I I'm I want to see it. It's you know? co- it's it's the opening to La La Land with with zombies. Yes. Exactly. And I'm kind of down. Yeah. Um. I I saw the first this trailer last week and I ejected it. Um. And then I started reading people really liking it, it, and so I, sure. I threw it in there. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So if you like musicals, if you like zombies, if you like low budget filmmaking, I think this is uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks super fun. Right down your alley. Uh. Let's see. Um. A film called The Endless about some occult. That and there's some strange going ons. Remember the guy had the rope that he pulled and he yeah, the moon it's like down? yeah, you don't really know what the hell's going on. It from seems the pretty Jonestowny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, um, it looks interesting. I yeah. mean, I I I want to find out more. Agreed. Before I slap down some money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know that I would. This doesn't reek to me of cinema this reeks like eh, if it's on Netflix yeah I'm, I might I might check it out I, I think the takeaway line from there is like there's something bigger than us out there yeah and I don't know what that yeah means. I don't know if it's like otherworldly if it's if it's a big big footy monstery kind of thing yeah not really sure uh next up a film called Barracuda it's a mystery regarding a woman that shows up at another woman's house and says hey our dad's the same guy right and then it becomes this weird, almost like single white female right. fatal and attraction. You, and it's hard to tell from the trailer, as it should be, what exactly is going on. Mm-hmm. Is she genuine? Is she not genuine? Obviously, people. Well, there are, are the moments where she's making out with like, someone in a hallway and she's looking at the girl, and you get the feeling that ain't good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way she introduces herself to the other girl's mother. Somebody's getting stabbed at somebody's some point. Somebody's getting stabbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see, uh, Acts of Vengeance, I'm going to call this Antonio Banderas does John Wick. Yeah, I was not This excited. is ten years too late. Yeah, I was not excited for this This should all. have landed in the same breath as Desperado. Yeah, I'm far more interested in something that's similar, uh, in Jackie Chan's The Foreigner. The Foreigner looks so it good. It looks so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jackie's then, really busy now. Yeah. He's got like three films coming out. And I think he's... It, and from what I've seen so far, I I think his choices are smart. I think there there's a time in Jackie Chan's career where it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know why you're doing these silly things. It's uh, even when when Jackie was at in his heyday, every now and then he would do something, and you'd be like, "God damn it, you're a good fucking actor." Yeah, and you can you can play yeah 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 drama. Do you know what else is kind of cool as a sidebar? His son 
has mostly been in shit. Yeah. But he's in a movie... Ugh, fuck, the name is escaping me. But it's about... Kid gets in trouble, gets sent not to a military school, but gets to sent to a drum academy. And it's learning like Japanese, Chinese drumming. Uh-huh. And it, it's the thing. It's drum one. It's yeah, the thing yeah, yeah. that changes his life. Yeah. And it's really good. Yeah. Um, Do you ever see the movie Painted Faces? Yeah, with the... the with Sammo Hung. Sammo Hung thing. And it's yeah. the story of... Dude, Sam, I just saw some t- other trailer that I didn't add to the list. Sammo Hung is killing it these days. He's beating the shit out of people. <laughs> you know, and, and um, he's become this sort of elder statesman of martial arts. Well, you know, now. you know, you know, of the of the, the seven <laughs> lucky stars, the the kids that all went to mm-hmm. the, the Peking Opera Academy together, mm-hmm. um, Yin Biao and and yeah. Sammo Hung and Jackie Chan and and Yin Wah, they um, Sammo was the badass. Mm. Sammo was big brother. Sammo was the one, like, if if a fight needed to happen, you, uh, I'm going to kick somebody's ass. Yeah. Sammo was the guy. Sammo was, to them, what Larry Hartzell was to the, the Bruce Lee group. Oh, in that's LA. very cool. Like, that's good. That's cool. Larry Hartzell was the... He's like... I get all wistful about some, all that some, stuff. Some guy shows up. It's like, Larry kicks his ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> you know? Weird. Weird. Um... Uh, Acts of Vengeance. And Tony Bader, he's been dancing around it. He was kind of doing, kind of doing it in Automata, yeah, yeah, other yeah. things. He's a. He's By the way, that's a really underrated movie. That's Automata. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Let's uh, let's see. Uh, a big splash this week was the trailer for Annihilation. This is the new Alex Garland movie. It's an alien invasion movie with uh, that he did Ex Machina. Yeah. And this is Natalie Portman. It it looks dripping with sci-fi yeah. stuff. There's been a lot of I don't I don't, don't want to say a lot of those types of it like it makes me it makes me think of Arrival. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at it, which I liked, which was a cool movie. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <coughs> it looks big money. Um, a lot of the book is really well respected, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we'll, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Horrible title. I, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, John Travolta as John Gotti. Um, <coughs> sorry. Yeah, we're um, all I, I, I mean, I think it looks like he's doing a competent job. He know, looks like he's taking him, himself seriously. Yeah, in this. yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, there's that shot at the end where he's just buried under old age makeup. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's. It's John Travolta. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that. I wonder if it might have been better served with somebody else. Maybe um, one of the one of the Sopranos boys. Or, Maybe or something. I have to ask myself: Do I care? Like I, I kind of yeah, don't yeah. care. Do we need another American Gangster yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. Uh, a movie called Never Here about a woman who there's a crime that it com- is committed near her home in the city. She finds a phone. And begins to do her own little investigation. And right. It almost feels like a movie I watched last night that is not anywhere on my list called Crimes of the Black Cat. That is very much like a person who has no business investigating something sure. gets themselves involved. It's very Nancy Drewy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it looked good. Yeah, it looks it, it looks cool. Um, <laughs> winding up here. <laughs> Molly, low-budget sci-fi actioner. I wanted to bring it up because... It's super low budget, but it also looks 
like somebody competent is doing the fight yeah, choreography. Yeah, uh, I, I was really out of, probably out of all the trailers <laughs> this week. This is the one that piqued my interest the most. Yeah, um, and and yeah, it is low budget. You, you can definitely tell, but it's it's also like really. Uh, for lack of a better word, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know exactly what's going on, but the but the imagery is great. Feels kind of um, it reminded me of things like Boyne's Dog yeah. and that kind of thing, yeah. or uh, even even in a weird way, Six String Samurai. It, it see, know? and that's the vibe I got off of it was Six String Samurai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks good. Winding up here, something called MFA about a. Uh, seems to be an art student who is raped and yes. becomes it feels think Ms. 45 yeah, yeah, yeah. she decides fuck this and yeah. starts taking out some vengeance on her own and it's and it becomes this thing because that gives school, her art life right she, she's in this she's in a university mm-hmm. and <clears throat> this is one of those movies that's pulled from the headlines so often the universities don't properly go after these the rapist, the sure. rapist, yeah, and 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 in fact, wind up um, demonizing the victim, mm-hmm. and uh, and so this is, uh, I mean, it's well, they they address it in the trailer where yeah. it's like, how much did you have to drink? And yeah, yeah, Fuck you, I got raped, you know, and um, I I I, I applaud that that yeah. kind of thinking, and I think that if as long as it doesn't get super heavy-handed at the end, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Um, I think we should be fine. And then the last two are... Uh, one is a from a, uh, a Stephen King novella. It's called 1922. Yeah. Thomas Jane. Dude. Looks fantastic. Looks, looks more great. than fantastic. Yeah. It's super like he... Clearly, in the trailer, they don't bury the lead, that he kills his wife. Yeah. Because they have a farm, and she's sick of farming, and she wants to move back to the it's city. It's taking place in 1922. Yeah. And uh, and she's haunting the fuck out of it. It's Molly... Uh, I forget her last name, but she was in um, Lynn Stopkovich's Kissed. Yeah. She was in one of the Dean Koontz novels, uh, Movies, televisations, whatever it was. Uh, but there's lots of scenes of her coming back looking pretty waterlogged yeah, pretty and pretty creepy. scary. Yeah. And Thomas Jane looks great. He looks great, yeah. Just great. Yeah. So hopefully that guy deserves better work than he... Yeah. yeah. Than, than that. Again, we I think we talked about it last week. Dirty Laundry. Dirty look Laundry, up, man. Look like, up Dirty Laundry. That's, on that's like... I That sits on a high on Langley's shelf. I, yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Thing. We were just talking to... Um, I was talking with someone else that were about Punisher and about how they never got the character right, but they seem to be getting it right with Barenthal. Right. Um, but we we were talking about Warzone and what a great version of that character right. that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, a uh, trailer for a movie called Maya Dardell. Suicidal writer is going to kill herself and she's, she starts interviewing people to whom she's going to leave her legacy. She has no yeah. children, she has no spouse... And this thing just looks like a a complete weeper, and b so solidly in my little corner of the yeah. world that I'm I'm very interested. Rosanna Arquette is in it in a in a small role. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks good. It looks solid. I'm yeah. I'm very excited about it. We've been getting lucky. I'm weeding through a lot of the trailers, and a lot of them there's some stuff out there that is just unbelievably bad. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's getting. I think it's getting easier to 
to ascertain. By the way, you sent me a trailer for something <laughs> called Bravestorm. Bravestorm. And, Japanese uh, film. Yeah, and... Uh, I almost include... It just barely didn't make this list. It, 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 I, I do like the practical effects in it, which mm-hmm. is why you were sharing it with yes. me. Yes. Uh, it has a lot of other stuff going on, too, but it, but at least is like, oh, look. It's guys in suits on sets. It's a rubber monster. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look that up, too. It's called yeah. Bravestorm. Bravestorm. Uh, I want to say the trailer is in Japanese, but yes. it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. just no. look at it. There's monsters. Uh, before we get out of here, have you seen anything good? No. You've been just working? <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually saw a couple things I do want to mention. Um, uh, one, Netflix, co- two comedy specials, Def Jam, Def Comedy Jam's 25th. It's an hour and a half thing. The format's a little rushed, but there's a centerpiece of Dave Chappelle and uh, D.L. Hughley just trying to read off a teleprompter. That is fucking comedy gold. Uh, Mark Marin has a new special out called Too Real, and that's really good. Coming up in October, Christina P. Christina Pajitsky from Your Mom's House has a special coming out, and I'm really looking forward to that. Other than that, I saw a documentary on Albert Fish that was kind of cool. Um, I rewatched the Raid films because I'm an idiot and <laughs> I just wanted to. Uh, but I watched um, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. And narrowly avoided a lot of discussion about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't understand. I don't understand the hate. I don't understand. It's not a great film. But it's pretty much the anime. Yeah. Sequences are are taken complete. It reminded me of Gus Van Zandt's Psycho. Psycho, where they (coughs) replicated the movie shot for shot. She looks great. I almost don't mind the whitewashing. I mean, what's not to like? It's Scarlett Johansson running around in a bodysuit with a pistol in her hand. That's... Right. That's enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then, like I said before, I watched this movie last night, uh, Crimes of the Black Cat. Yeah. Uh, standard 72 Giallo that uh-huh. you can find on YouTube. I'll put up a review of it. I'm, I have it written. I'll put it up later. Um, anything you're listening to that you want to talk about? No. Say more simple. Look at you. No. Well, so, uh... I think last week I talked about, um, I was listening to The Secret Sisters. Yes. Um, and I'm still listening to The Secret Sisters. Yes. And um, uh, reading why, see, and that's that's the problem with, with like, you know, checking in with me weekly, mm. is that, like, my work schedule's so nuts that, like, I just finished the graphic novel that I've been talking about for the last <laughs> two shows, you know. Oh, yeah. And it was, yeah. and it's amazing. I, I can't recommend it enough. My favorite thing is monsters. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, speaking of graphic novels, we got a comic guy coming up. Yeah, we do. And we're gonna we're gonna discuss the entire genre. I'm looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, that's gonna be great. Uh, me. I may have mentioned this band before. Biosphere. Their yeah. record is called Cirque. C I R Q U E. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been sick, as you can you can tell. Um, but I've been in. Ba- I slept for about five days. But all I did was listen to Biosphere, and it was it was great. Very ambient. Very. It's not trance or any other nonsense. But it's very sort of. I'll use the word soundscape. Sure. And and it's great stuff. Um, you mentioned books. I'm going to mention something. For, I don't know why, but while I was sick, I picked up. Earl McGrouch's novelization of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Yeah. Dude, if if you even slightly like Buckaroo Banzai, you got to read this book. It talks about, in depth, 
it's not just the girl, uh, Penny Pretty, but her. They talks about her sister. Mm-hmm. It talks about how how um, the leader of the World Crime League killed her at the wedding. Their wedding. All of this. There's a lot more stuff. going on. And it's great. It's really great. It's one of those things where I just keep thinking, like, yeah, there's plenty here that we can still, yeah, still mine. Um, oh, yeah, I think that's it. Bleedingham, man. It's Bleeding all Bleedingham right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a, like we're a day away from October. the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah October's yeah. going to get super busy. It's going to be nuts. We're still, I'm still wrestling, and we're, I should say we're still wrestling with the idea of what we're going to do for a Halloween show. Um, that's that's I'm scratching my head on. I don't know what what to do about yeah. that. Um, upcoming, we've got uh, we've got a, an episode coming up on genre collecting um, with uh, a guy that uh, is great, Leah Marcello, who also goes by the name Doc Holocausto. I want to say that was what it was. And um, <laughs> the comic guy, and we've got a bunch of other stuff coming up. Yeah. So we're trying to keep things interesting for everybody and. Uh, by all means, let us know what you like, what you yeah. don't like. Go to the Facebook page. Interact, baby. <laughs> all right. I'm going to go take some more Mucinex. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you next week, guys. For the Bonus Material Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary.